evening. Nah, stuff that for a game of sojis. Good evening and welcome to episode 174 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Square Brackets, dot, 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 Square Brackets, also known as Grant Wilcott, Commander Psycho Cow, and joining me tonight in this especially packed and slightly damp pumpkin version of an orange sidewinder for this episode are the head of station what would you call you archives yeah the guy that reads the books and the manuals yeah. uh, him colin ford yeah but i don't I, I don't sniff the manuals okay I, I just want that completely and utterly underlined that is for some reason the entertainment manager's job to sniff the manuals and to make sure that they are fresh yeah. enough yeah, yeah that was a that was a very worrying Worrying trend. <laughs> trend. We are also joined by the head of Inhuman Resources, uh, the director of Inhuman Resources. In fact, I'm not sure was the difference between director and head. Um, there's a joke there. Insert your own joke, Commander Shan. Good evening to you. Good evening. And to just you know bring that extra degree of of jock in this sock. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, we just it. yeah. Let's start. Let's start as we mean to go on. <laughs> duking, duking for insults. We are here. We are honoured to be joined by Lave Radio. Almost royalty. I don't know if he's going to be able to speak. Uh, it is of course Dave Hughes. Round of applause. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, otherwise known as the guest jock in the sock from now yes. on. <laughs> I, I, I apologize. Oh, I forgot oh. to, to switch the uh, the video back to that. There we go. There we go, everyone. Sorry, <clears throat> my bad. Uh, I am <laughs> I, I am in charge of all of the knobs today, and uh, that that involves. <laughs> <laughs> I've just introduced That's them. Me no, I mean <laughs> yeah, the, the twiddling bits. Um, and Are so, you calling us knobs? That's probably the politest thing he's called us all week. And we are going to, we've got a, a really exciting episode tonight, uh, I think anyway, I've been, I've been really excited about tonight uh, for a, a couple of days since, since last week when Dave agreed that he would come on and talk us all about uh, Elite Encounters, his, uh, his role play game set in the Elite Dangerous Universe that has uh, well come out, it's been on sale for what, two weeks now? Something like that, yeah. Two weeks, so time to to have an update with him and see how things are going. So well, that is going to be our main discussion tonight. But uh, if you want, if you're out there and you're in the game, you can join us live. I am, in fact, parked up in sight of the Lave Station opening docking slot uh, in the open. So you can come and join us there. Uh, I'm not at the Unidentified Civilian Broadcast. I figured I'd sit in front of the station because it's something nicer to look at, seeing as I'm not going to be able to do any flying uh, while trying to herd this show to its end. Um, if you can't get in-game, then you can also join us on Twitch.tv. If you have a phone and you have the Twitch app, you can switch that to chat only, and you can join us in chat and get your comments and questions in for Dave throughout the show. Or just, you know any comments whatsoever get on with it uh, if you want to come and see what's going on you can go to laveradio.com sorry if you want to listen in, you can listen on laveradio.com live or you can listen through our Lave Radio app <laughs> provided by Nobex and um, it's quite handy on your phone actually it's quite a stable platform and uh, of course you can see us on twitch.tv forward slash laveradio if you want to come and see what's going 
on Outside Life Station. Um, yeah, that's that's the blurb done in a relative order. I'm sure I can edit it into what it's meant to be. Uh, so I think it's that point when we, we go round our crew and find out what they've been up to in the last seven days. Uh, we'll start tonight with Commander Shan. How has your week been? It's been very good, thank you. Especially today. I've had great fun today with Halloween. Um, because I have a good pot and a bad pot for Halloween treats. So if they have little kids come round and go, tweet, tweet, really nicely, they get nice new Haribo. So they get a nice treat. And if they're grumpy, smelly teenagers, you don't make an effort. What I do is I get Haribo and I puncture the packets with, with a pin and leave them for a couple of years and then give them that. That's a lot of forward planning. Mm. Well, yeah. But it's worth it because it goes all horrible and manky and rubbery. I think the funniest thing I saw about Halloween was that if you give away fruit, that's the quickest way to make sure you get at least five years without any more trick-or-treaters. <laughs> oh, the damn, you've given away my secret because that's what happens after after 8.30 at night. We've got a little bag of satsumas by the door. And if anybody comes up, I give them a satsuma. The word gets around very, very quickly that that's the house to avoid. <laughs> I'm not sure about You see down our street that you'd find the satsuma splattered against your window or your car or something. So. Maybe they're listening in tonight, so they'll, you know, there's no, no treats to be had here. For the last four years, I have bought tons of stuff in for geysers. And uh, it, may, it may well be a, a Glasgow thing. But there ain't any. There just what isn't. Yep, there isn't any. I think in Scotland yeah. it's so freaking cold and miserable outside that they just, you know, if you go out there, you actually will be a frozen zombie. Yeah, do they still do um, proper guising where instead of having just going up and saying trick or treat, you've actually got to say a little poem or do a little dance or something daft like that? <laughs> Mm. I, no, it's worth a try. I think if you've been on your trick or treat, doing little <laughs> dances for people, I think you might be getting <laughs> Halloween confused with a strip club. Um, I'm not sure. I'm just remembering from way long in my distant past when I was in Glasgow. That's what we had to do for Geisen, which is a Scottish equivalent of trick or treat. Well, yeah, but it was more a tell a tell a joke or or do a dance or something. Yeah, and then. Then they try and drown you in a bucket of apples. So yeah, Grant, you're dropping out. Mm. Oh, am I? Yeah, quite badly. Oh, hold on a sec. Let me just try something here. Bum 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 bum. Boom. Issues as usual, folks. No, no, no. It's, it's not. Is that better? I I can hear you all right. Nope. No. It's strange. It's one of these things where um, I've got two feeds, so I know what's going on. Let me have a listen and see what this one's doing. Um, no, it sounds okay here. It could potentially be me. We'll cut that bit out. Nobody knows that, that there was any technical issues. It's nothing. It's fine. <clears throat> <laughs> yep. So, okay, if that was Shan, is there anything else you've been, been up to in game the last week? I've been doing passenger missions, believe it or not. Decided to wheel the beluga out. Uh, that a, a spin around the bubble for a while. Come across some quite interesting um, sites, you know, tourist beacons and markers. But I've come to hate NPC belugas even more than I did already, because they seem to appear from nowhere 
and block you just as you're coming out of the slot. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so a bit like the T9 of Doom, just as you're boosting out of the uh, the slot, along comes a lumbering T9. Well, I tend to find that they're haulers or sidewinders when you boost out of the slot, so they're there especially to clip, <laughs> so you don't get you've shot got, at. You've got a lane of so insurance fraudsters, have you, just sitting outside in the little small ships, waiting for a big ship to come through, and then there's the, yeah, the phone call, we believe you were involved in an accident that may not have been your fault. <laughs> Oh, Is that yeah. Rory and McGrath again? 16 people in that sidewinder with whiplash. Oh dear, this is going to cost you. This is going to cost you bad. <laughs> okay, excellent. Uh, um, we shall move on and we will, we're going to leave Dave to last because he's more fun. Um, and Colin will probably be saying something boring about reading manuals or books or something. What have you been up to in the last week, Colin? Well, actually, I've not been doing anything with, man- with manuals or anything like that. Thank you very much. Um, on a more positive note, I've actually been um, going around all the INRA bases. I've got to be careful because um, I was for ages calling it Inara for some blasted reason. <laughs> but <laughs> but the INRA bases, I'm going around and, and uh, soaking up the atmosphere. I've also tr- been trying desperately um, to do a biopsy or a probothorgoid, if you see what I mean, using the research, the, uh, research limpets. And so far, I've lost five asps while doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm obviously not as good as a, my, my probing asp isn't as good as I thought it was. It's tricky. You probing probing thargoids with his asp. Hmm. What you need hmm. is, a, is a bloody fast ship that is quick and also very well defended. Cause get, get a clipper. You've got to be so far away from that damn thing, otherwise it's got to tear strips off you before your little probe can get back to you. It is, yeah. Oh, no, no, I get, I get, I get the probe back to me. It's getting away from the bloody Thargoid afterwards. Oh! But then again, I really should high-wake away instead of trying to low-wake. That's, that's my mistake. That's your feeling. Which I'm, I'm going to try next time. <laughs> oh, well done, Mr. Witherspoon. I was waiting for someone to make that pun. Colin has had his asp handed to him by the Thargoids. Yep, I agree with that. <laughs> by the way, we can't hear Dr. Toxic. <laughs> no, we can't hear Dr. To- Toxic at all. He's, he's absolutely silent. What have you been up to this week, Dr. Toxic? Nope. Nope, we nope. still can't nope. hear him. Um, <laughs> Mr. Hughes, please save us from sanity. How crazy has your last week been, or have you had, actually had a nice relaxing time? <laughs> relaxing time uh, well I spent the last five years learning how to be a writer and I've spent the last two weeks learning how to be a publisher and just um, just to say I'm not finished yet um, it hasn't just taken two weeks um, still learning as I go, still getting everything done and learning how to do printing and how to get documents set up properly and yeah hectic and answer all the questions people keep asking me in places so busy times my goodness. Yeah, and have you actually had any chance? Because I know your um, your Monday night stream has suffered due to the level of work you've been trying to get done. No, it hasn't. It's Monday night stream has suffered because of stupid connection problems. I don't know what's been going on around my area lately, but <laughs> um, but there's quite a lot of um, dropouts and just connection problems with Twitch. You just can't get on it. Uh, I think I got it started this week, so... Oh, you're not with Virgin Media, are you? Cause no, <laughs> I'm, I'm with Sky. I've been with Sky for a while. I can't go with Virgin Media because Virgin Media has restriction policies on their uh, broadband. 
So I stream quite a lot and I download quite a lot and I upload quite a lot because obviously I do a lot of YouTube stuff as well. So um, I wouldn't have the bandwidth to do that if I went with somebody like Virgin. So I have to go with Sky because they have a completely unlimited broadband. Oh, do you not have a fibre for Virgin in your area? A cable network? We have fibre, but again, fibre is blocked. I'm on fibre on Sky. I'm on their fibre unlimited, uh, okay. which is the only one that's un- that's unlimited. No, Even Virgin's fibre is, is limited. I find the Sky broadband for me was uh, an awkward pain in the neck up here. Uh, I'm now on the Virgin and I'm on the oh crikey, so the 300 meg down package and uh, I think we were talking about it on the show that it was an ideal time to, to give Virgin a ring and get yourself moved on to the package because there was price hikes coming and I know there's a number yeah. of you out there that took that advice and have saved yourselves from pennies so congratulations and well done. Um, that's the only public service I think I can <laughs> say I'm <laughs> responsible for in the last eight years. Uh, well, apart from that time down the docks. Uh, what else? Um, anything else you were up to? <laughs> you, want, you want to share with our listeners? Um, I'm trying to think of anything specific you're talking about, but I can't think of anything. So I've been playing a bit of Elite. Obviously, the Monday night streams are my night for playing. So I have been exploring some Thargoid stuff and exploring the inner bases and having a look at the new um, barnacle forest that was found so that's pretty much it got my python fantastic i've been uh, running a few missions i've not been ripping out bathrooms this is the first week we've kind of been back to normal um with uh, my brother coming up and working in the office with me and we've done a ton of stuff this week which is quite good it's quite good to catch up with all those little jobs that you just aren't getting done um, so it's been a nice week no bathrooms we have a date for the special plumbing to arrive and it is in November and it is the 14th of November and it is a mere a mere eight weeks past the uh, a point <laughs> at which we put the order in and gave them the nod and that's about ooh, 20 weeks after the original in- inquiry so <laughs> it's doing not bad for a four week lead time because what they didn't tell you is there's a four week lead time then there's a four week wait time then there's a two week um, nobody knows what's going on time and we've passed all that now so fingers crossed we might just have a bathroom in by Christmas although I don't think we're going to have a Tyler so that's going to delay it again. But never mind. So the ongoing bathroom saga, I know you guys all sit there every week wondering, how's Cow in his bathroom? So it's one of these uh, fun, fun, fun things and we will get it done. Um, yeah, Dave, that's, that's, that's the blooming bot timer. Hold on. Boink! I need to get that put in. Um, right, so we have a number of things to go. Obviously, there wasn't much in the way of chatter from Frontier this week. They have been relatively quiet this week. I don't think has there been any sort of uh, dev dev notes nope. or updates or there. There's, there has not been any dev notes at all. There's been a release for uh, PS4 specifically, uh, and um, there was a service server outage this morning, uh, which Frontier managed to find the source being a, a couple of rats which managed to chew their way through some cables. So, but that has now been fixed. <laughs> that is that's just funny. That's, it's just it really, was, really bizarre, that, isn't it? 
it was quite quick. It was down for about uh, 30 to 40 minutes. So quite quick getting it sorted out. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the first thing you look for when you're starting all this this um, this kind of stuff. There's something wrong with the server. It's working through the, com- the machine. What's wrong? And then, of course, the last thing you do is you check the blooming wiring, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it's one of these funny things. I mean, I, I always remember when we were doing till installations and you were in store and you had to connect to the, the main server. And for some reason, at 10 o'clock every morning, that server would go down. And I know it sounds cliche, but it genuinely was caused by cleaners coming into the server rooms <laughs> and unplugging and plugging their hoovers in. Once they worked it out, I mean, I'm not sure how you deal with bugs and rats that are actually physically eating it. Um, but once you figure it out, it's much easier to sort of say, to re-educate your cleaners and say, <coughs> you're causing thousands and thousands of pounds worth of delays. So how about you don't unplug that and maybe use that plug over there? Um, so Not almost as bad as the cleaners in, in was it Glasgow where they were unplugging life machines <laughs> to, to, put yes. in, to put in their cleaning machines. Oh, and the poor doctors thinking about <laughs> it's horrific. Uh. But I suppose, you know, if you don't put a wee sticker on the back of a plug that says do not unplug, then you're your, your own worst enemy. Um, oh, God, that, just, that terrifies me, doesn't it? It just terrifies me. You're, can you imagine lying there in, in your in your bed attached to a machine and then comes the cleaner and you're like, what are you doing? What? No, 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 no. Oh, my God. It's just horrible. Right. <laughs> Okay, back, back to the show notes. Um, so we haven't got any dev news, development news at all this week, which means there might be something exciting happening, or maybe they're waiting for one of you guys out there to actually find something, or not. Uh, but there has been a number of uh, in-game events. And now mm. that's Aegis confirmed that capital ships are vulnerable to Thargoid attack due to the EMP effect. Ooh. Yes. So have, yes, Chan, you got something, some uh, information on that? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I, when I read that, and I thought, well, Aegis are obviously ramping up their uh, Muppet Commander program because the solution to this would seem obvious. You just put the uh, EMP counter devices in sidewinders and fly, fly the sidewinders around the capital ship, so they cover the capital ship in. Anti-shutdown fields. You don't need to have one big one. You just fly little ships around it. You see, because the EMP field has got a three-kilometer range. You see, so you wouldn't need many ships to um, cover a capital ship. Right. Yeah. Okay. So whole yeah. alert. The problem is, is, is that they'd have to get commanders who are good enough to to counter uh, the Thargoid EMPs every time, and well. Uh, let's just say they probably don't. <laughs> well, if, if they're Aegis commanders, then yeah, they're probably right. They're probably not up to scratch, are they? I mean, they don't fire all the missiles at once when they can do. So, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've obviously you know. we've, yeah. I've tried combat. Has as anyone, uh, Dave, have you and Colin, have you both, I know Shan has, have you both tried tackling a Thargoid jet? Um, accidentally. <laughs> Um, I, I got my fire group strong when I was trying to do the research limp bit and shot the bugger. <laughs> Bright. Have you had a go at one, uh, Dave? Um, I've not had a go at one. I refuse to fire on them. 
Okay. I mean, I, I defended myself in my silver golden asp. It is actually um, now... If you're looking for things that it's like in-game, if you can imagine when you're tackling a cap ship and you're trying to hit all the cooling vents, it is kind of a very similar uh, setup to that. And maybe about oh, five times more difficult <laughs> to, to get it right. And then they only go and make the blooming well... Blooming sods, blooming more tricky to blooming fight, and blooming heck, do you feel it? They hit hard, so it's a nice, it's a nice challenge now. I mean, when they first came out, it was just like yeah, five missiles at it, gank it in a wing. But doing it solo is quite a nice challenge now, actually. It's mm. it's, it's quite well balanced, I think, between being impossible and nicely difficult. Yeah, yeah, I do wish I do wish they'd actually given it a little bit of love for the multiplayer as well, because apparently. Because um, you can't sub-target the hearts, it makes the gunner roll a little bit too difficult. So apparently what you have to do is un-target the Thargoid, and when the when the hearts are explo- exposed, you've got to fire manually, which um, I don't think the gunner, uh, the gunner position is, is good enough for at the moment. I wish they would... That's the thing, it just, yeah. they, just, they just need to little push it a little bit to get it working properly. That's a... That's the thing. Otherwise, you know, a multi-crew encounter with a Thargoid could be awesome. Yeah, well, I, I tagged along with Obsidian Ant and Crash last week. <clears throat> Neither of them had killed a Thargoid. Um, so I specced out a ship that tanked the Thargoid where they kind of got on with it. Mm-hmm. And one of the big differences was, was I'm not sure whether it was instancing that was causing the issue or whether it was scaling, mm. was it was noticeably longer to kill the Thargoid while in a wing what it was solo. I think the whole uh, our whole encounter lasted about 40 minutes with the three of us in the wing where if you do it solo it's usually under 10 and that was purely down to the, uh, the hearts being harder or taking longer to take down so it will be interesting to see whether or not this fix is going for multi-group or whether Frontier is saying actually we don't want 10 commanders killing them instantly so we scale the encounter the number of players in the wing oh I hope they have scaled the encounter because that that makes it feel more of a challenge and let's be honest everybody who's who's enjoying doing this is enjoying the challenge it's it's a it's a it's a a challenging bit of gameplay um, that is it's one of those things that you have to be engaged with it you know, you have to be paying attention and you have to coordinate. It does force a bit of team play uh, if you're fortunate enough to have other people with you. Otherwise, it forces a lot of um, running away. Panic. Play. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the secret, if you're souring them, is to know at which point you are incurring more damage than you are inflicting it and then run. I think if you mm. try and last at the bitter end, that's when your ship loses it. So just knowing when to run away and knowing when to stay is the key, I think, to that encounter. Yeah. Well, it's the same when you try the biopsy attempt. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm learning. It's costing me a lot, but I'm learning. I like the... I, I actually say I like that mechanic um, of the time taken for that scan. I think that's something that adds that sense of impending doom when you're waiting oh, for God, it. Oh, God, yes, know? it and does. I think that's a really nice... I love that as a mechanic. It's brilliant. Um, so the other thing that we've noticed about in-game events is we have the new barnacle field found. 
Now, I've not been to Barnacle Field. That's one thing I've not done in game yet. Dave, you've just been to one, haven't you? I have. The very one you're talking about. And mm. the, the Pleiades Nebula Pleiades Sector PN TB3 O or 0 A5. That's catchy. It is. Mm. It's, it just rolls off the tongue. And rolls then off if, the tongue. If you want the coordinates, <laughs> it's minus 4.4946 uh, by 145.6557. So there you go. If you oh. want to head over there now, that should be enough. <laughs> I've got some footies if you want them. <laughs> All right, yep. This is me with the barnacles. This is me with the other barnacles. <laughs> Look, here are some more barnacles. Are these the the Here's oh, the wife for the barnacles? These these are the Thargoid. Mm, this is where you'll get some meta alloys. Is it? Yeah. Do you have any any, there, yeah. any policy on shooting those, uh, Dave? I don't mind shooting them if they get me some stuff from engineers. <laughs> are they? Are they? Based as long as nobody barnacles. sees me. <laughs> Okay. Have, you, have you seen it when the Thargoids actually turn up at these places? Because that no, is, is quite scary. Especially if you've already scooped a couple of them and you all of a sudden think, oh God, we've been found out. <laughs> <laughs> and when you had a Thargoid turn up at a base, you know, you've been going around inside the base and the Thargoid turns up to Not being see if you're making their stuff. You, uh, no, no, it was me and Ben that, that almost scared the bejesus out of ourselves when Cannon said, I know, let's put some Guardian technology into the middle of the base. Oh, God. Yes. We thought we'd already started the Thargoid War. <laughs> <laughs> that would be typical to trace back to Lave Radio, and more specifically, <laughs> Ben and Colin. It's your fault. You brought it on us all, but no, actually. No, St- Stephen Usher. Stephen Usher suggested it. Cannon said, that's a good idea, and then we did it. <laughs> And the next thing you know, yeah, war. Um, okay, so, so, yeah, that's when the base went insane, Zadnos. That's when it went opened up and uh, actively uh, took an aggressive stance towards the, the commanders nearby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've got we've we've caused trouble. Well, you know, that's the thing, isn't it? It's about trying stuff and having a giggle. Um, so <laughs> if you want to go and see that Pleiades, the new barnacle field, then you can head over there. Newsletter 198 came out. It's a bit of a Halloween special and in true Halloween. In this, uh, they are advertising an event that's already happened. So unless you have a Halloween time machine, you ain't going to be able to vote this of Malik VR's 18th of October. Three triple elite hit uh, stream at 6pm. So unfortunately, um, you're not going to be able to see that unless you have a time machine. Yeah, no, you missed that one. <laughs> Here's what you could have won. Um, however, the newsletter. There are. Yeah, it's cool. It's got a big pumpkin on the front page. Yes, LHS two zero nine four is where you'll find big pumpkins. Does anyone else think they're taking the piss? Yes, <laughs> frequently. <laughs> oh God, damn it! It's just one of those things where you look at it and you think, really, you know, sometimes. Sometimes it's good to put something in the game that, and then just say, yeah, it was put there for enjoyment by the Federation because they're a bunch of Halloween supporting so and so. It's all commercialised, uh, rather than but trying my to immersion. Fit, yeah, but rather than trying to fit in some kind of pumpkin that's alien-ish, um, I think I've not seen anything about it apart from this picture here that I'm looking at, and it looks like some kind of Chinese lantern. 
Well, no, the, these are genuine pumpkins which have been, or they called it pumpkins, which are, are basically in the, they've been in the game. They've been discovered before, but these ones are actually a lot bigger than the other ones that have been previously discovered. But mind you, with with all MMOs, I think there is a tradition that there is a bit of a Halloween event, even though it's got nothing to do. Uh, the the setting might have nothing to do with Halloween, but all of a sudden you'll have a Halloween event in it. Only they'll yeah. change it a bit. I mean, there's usually three typical events in MMOs, and there's the Halloween, there's the Christmas, mm-hmm. and April Fools usually. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That is true. So, I mean, it's, you know, I, I've not got a uh, particular other than the size of, look at the size of that thing. This guy in his SRV is going to crash into it. And that is fourth dimension chest that's sent in that screenshot. And it looks like a gigantic pear with its arse buried in the ground. Yeah, that's 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 a near enough good description. Have you been has anyone been near them to sort? Because the one thing that um, I remember from the crash sites uh, was the sounds in game around these things being spectacular. Uh, is there any particular unique <coughs> pumpkin sounds that we should be aware of? Well, what does a pumpkin say? I will eat your soul. Uh, pro- probably something like, you know, you know, something on the lines of, Please stop stabbing me. Ah, oh, no. Ah, no, don't take my guts out. Ah, and now you're putting a candle in my ass. No. Uh, I would imagine. Well, I don't think they say anything because they're just fruit. No pumpkins were harmed in the making of this radio show. Is it fruit or is it a root veg? Oh, don't start. Let's just move on to the blooming decals, for God's sake. It has seeds in it, so technically I think that makes it a fruit. And then, of course, we have decals. It's a Jaffa cake. It's a Jaffa cake. That's that's, that's the answer to it all. No, don't don't you go anywhere near Jaffa cakes. You know why we don't talk about Jaffa cakes on this show, so move on. Yeah, we have um, some beautiful store decals for Halloween, though. These seem to be quite luminescent, which is quite cool. And if you want a spider or a pumpkin or a big werewolf slash marks, has anyone got any of these? No. I haven't, no, but they do look very nifty. They look pretty cool, don't they? It does have a pumpkin on a stick as well, so you can have a a lovely little um, uh, bobble-headed pumpkin in in your cockpit. That's nice. So that's impressive. So you can go and have a look at those in the store now. Um, how long they'll be on sale for until next year. Maybe they'll update them next year and you'll get new ones as well. So they're quite cool. They're quite pretty. And uh, They are, actually, yeah. Then they're talking about, well, Crikey, just again, some community news here, which we'll go through quickly. Celeste has a new is the new HCS voice pack. If you're using Voice Attack and voice packs are the plug-in for you, they are amazing. Uh, Malik's event has unfortunately been, but if you would like to raise a Derrily triangle in his honour and salute the cheesiness that is Malik, then uh, do so. Well done, Malik, on your triple elite. Incidentally, uh, Malik, if it is the 18th of November... We will put out a notice next. We can correct that for you. <laughs> oh dear, we just don't know. We just don't know because I mean, LaveCon was in what Birmingham last year, but it wasn't. So they do tend to make little mistakes in those things. Um, yes, the Fatherhood is a group 
for hardworking dads exploring the galaxy now i have seen some of their group stuff and it looks like a ton of fun it definitely is a tongue-in-cheek group that are in it for the fun and that's welcoming i think so is that forum dads are us it's kind of forum dads but it's kind of <laughs> it's you know i think if mm. you had you'd have two tier levels you'd have Sign me up young forum dads who are kind of still hip and fun and then you've got your group which is the kind thanks of, you know jesus <laughs> i am a proud card carrying member of the mobius forum dads yeah, that's the grumpiest ones. That's the grumpiest group. That's yep. the one that's right up the top. Um, that's why I'm there. <laughs> but it's good to have these groups because, I mean, it's one of these things. When you are uh, in a group like that, then there's the appreciation for being a father of either young children because it does change throughout. As you know, you go from being a father of young children and you've got a fair bit of time at certain points of the day and never any time at other points of the day to where you become a teenager and those time gaps tend to slip and move around so that you have loads of time in the morning because they're still in their beds and then you suddenly have you know, a game session that's sort of between midnight and two o'clock while you're waiting to be a taxi. So yeah, it does. It's interesting. <laughs> so we need to have maybe tiers of these uh, dad groups, I think. Uh, Galnet, which we will leave digestion to Peter Witherspoon at the end of the show tonight, so stick around for that. Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't. <laughs> I did hear Flossie. Flossie, who's the queen of the community goals, was telling us all about the bobbing for apples. Now, we have got three Scots on tonight's show. Mm. Bobbing for apples? My, na- my name's Dave. Yeah. <sighs> was, that, was that an attempt to try and disguise a Scottish accent? No, it's my attempt to do yours. Oh, to do mine. You can't do mine. <laughs> oh, I am from... No, I'm not going to do that because I've got myself into bother. No, um, please don't. <laughs> we do have, um, obviously, the community goals this week are, are about bobbing for apples, or as we call it in Scotland, either of you two? Apple bobbing. Do you call it apple bobbing? I thought it was dunking. It's always been... No, it's bobbing for apples, as far as I remember. Really? And you're dunking, dunking for apples. When, du- dunking is when somebody pushes your head into it. Drowning, <laughs> drowning with apples. I think is generally Pretty what much, it ends yeah. up ends up being. Um, or as oh, I don't know. Obviously, this is weird now because now I don't know have a clue. I was kind of hoping for fellow Scots to confirm the word that we've been using. But you know, it's kind of like one of those weird things where you've been in a relationship for so long, you kind of don't realise that what you're doing is not normal anymore, and you can't really know you think it's normal because, frankly, that's the way you've always done it. And and you are scaring me like something rotten. We're thank scared you, the, about. It's no, it's okay. It's, it's all right. We're all good. Duking for apples. Thank you for joining me, the Dar Scotsman. You helped giving me a glimmer Duking. of hope that this is not some kind of weird crap my parents had made up but, just to cause me embarrassment at this very moment. But isn't duking for apples just Scottish pronunciation for dunking? Dunking. No, yes, it, it is. It would be for 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 ducking yeah. rather than duking or dunking. It'd be ducking. So duking for apples is basically when you do it without a fork uh, because. Who uses cutlery in Scotland? <laughs> you you see apple bobbing with cutlery. You use your mouth, don't you? You try and grab hold of the stalk. Yeah, well, see, we'd call that ducking for apples, we would. Must be a West Coast thing. I have no idea. Okay. That's weird. I just don't you know. You guys gave me a bit of worry there. I was beginning to think, oh, God, this is some word that my parents made The problem made I've up. got is that 
problem I've got is I've lived in England now for longer than I lived in Scotland, so and I've never been a great big fan of Halloween anyway, so I may not be the best person to ask on this one. Okay. All right. That's that's why I have to fake an, a Scottish accent. So Halloween decals in the store and also a new cutter skin as well. Thank you um, for putting that in the chat, Colin, who's nipped off for a second. Um, the cutter skin Luminous masking. Yeah. He'll be doing his kids in the toilet again. I'm wondering, do you reckon this year we're going to get Christmas lights for our ships? So rather than being the sort of oh, glowing no. outlines, we just get like, you know, multicoloured strings that you can have across the front and stuff. Isn't that technically what we've got with these glow-in-the-dark skins anyway? It's it's kind of, but it's not quite tacky enough. They're not really crispy yeah. enough, are they? You know, you want them to sort of like, so if you get into battle, they should flash faster. Uh, and, yeah. You know what the the pulse skins, the cutter, reminds me of? It reminds me of putting blue LEDs on a Rolls Royce. So you chav it up. Just <laughs> well, isn't that pretty much what all these things are? Just chaving up your, pimp up your ship? Well, some of them are quite, some of the cutter skins are quite tasteful. You know, like the, like the gold and the chrome. And they're, they're quite sort of apt. But... They're like bright yeah. gold skin is tasteful. <laughs> yeah, it's I like it. I like your taste. Shan's sitting there in a beautiful sparkling gold <laughs> tracksuit, gold lamé tracksuit for the win. Okay, I've got the image of gold member right now. <laughs> so gold I. member. Oh, he's sitting there stroking his cat and uh, picking his scabs. Oh, wait, no, that's um, that's Austin Powers, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, let's move on. Right, um, uh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um, in un- unusual, we're actually we're not quite halfway through the show, and we've reached the main the main discussion tonight. So stick that in your pipe and eat it. It's um, our time to move on to the bit I've been desperately excited to talk about because uh, we Lave Radio have played the Elite Encounters RPG a number of times we've had the, the deep joy of being able to play sessions GM'd by none other than Mr. Hughes himself and he has unleashed some many many moments on us, most of which we had to cut out of the episodes but... <laughs> Some some of them managed to stay in. Um, well, if, for, if you've not listened to them, they are available in the podcast. They are definitely worth a listen to. From Foz's um, interesting techniques in, well, pretty much anything. Hit it with a wrench. And, um, yeah, it, was, it should be spectacular fun if you are an RPG fan or... Or not. So let's get through the cold hard facts that I've jotted down here so that I wouldn't have to hunt for them. That the Elite Encounters RPG. Now, you must have fired this up in February 2013 onto Kickstarter. I did. February 2nd. February 2nd. It finished and was funded on <laughs> March, March the 3rd, 2000. March, March the 3rd. 2013 with a whopping £7,000 pledged of a £5,250 goal. 260 wonderful backers helped you over that line and you went straight about that point, starting the long journey that would be your Elite RPG. So first of all, congratulations on getting it approved and getting out. Yay! Yeah, well done, yay! Which is, you know, the first things first. It has been a, well, 2004 year 
journey and you have gone through a hell of a lot in that four years. Um, so if you would like to just maybe take us through the, that journey from you know that moment to remind us how you felt when you crossed that Kickstarter line and then bring us through your sort of horrific uh, and amazing journey throughout. Tell us everything. Um, everything? Yeah, I'm just going to sit back. Have you got four years? <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, yeah, well, it was a, a roller coaster ride that first couple of couple of weeks for the um, Kickstarter. I mean, it's a lot of, long time since I've spoken about this, actually. It's so long ago now. Dredging memories up from the way back in the past. Um, yeah, there was, there was the, the way Kickstarters usually worked back then, I don't know what they're like now, is that you, you have that initial rush of attention for it and then you get sort of nearly halfway or just over halfway and then it all tails off and goes very quiet for the middle two weeks and then the last week it just all picks up again as, as people start picking up the uh, either get paid or start picking up the news about it and then it usually rushes across the line if you get over halfway in that first couple of weeks then chances are, chances were good that you would get across so yeah that last few days was nail biting terrifying exhilarating fun and then that that night of March the third, when it sat, when it actually went over the line, was absolutely amazing. Um, such a buzz! Um, just even to know that people out there were supporting it. It's one of those things that when you're part of a community and the community sort of gets behind you like that, it's amazing. So uh, great. Um, and then, and then so, there was the, the yeah. Oh, what, what, no, it's just thinking what happens right at that point. So there you are, because I mean I don't know how many people out here actually will run these you know these kind of kickstarts and stuff. So there you are. You've got your money. You have a night of celebration, and then you get up the next morning. <laughs> what, what is what is the thought in your head when you wake up the next morning? It's, it's it's not even when you go to sleep the next the that night, and then get up the next day. It's you, you get across that line, you get that that little thing that says up and says you've done it, you've got you've achieved your goal, blah blah. And you sit there and go, yes, marvelous, great. And then you sit five minutes later and go, shit, I've got to do this now. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Do I have any idea what I'm doing? And then the, the, that when when that adrenaline wears off, you get that whole thing that goes, shit, I can't do this. Um, and you get the well. I, I don't know if everybody gets that, but obviously doing it as an amateur at the time, um, there was that fear in my head that I'm never going to get this done, or that it's going to be too much, or it's going to be too hard, or there's something I've not thought about. And essentially, yeah, I was right. <laughs> the delivery date was um, April 2014, and you could say I kind of missed that. Just just a little bit. I mean, just, just slightly. Yeah. Only by only. It by is the ultimate months. loop of shame. This one, isn't it? It was the what? It was the, the you know <laughs> the loop of shame where you miss your target. Oh right, back again. Oh god, again. Yeah. <laughs> there was a loop of shame that lasted four years. That's even Brian Blessed would have trouble saying that one. Um, and it was and a, yeah, it was. Sorry, no, no. It's just one of those journeys where you've gone through real life uh, interjections. You've had the highs of getting, you know, parts of it finished. You've got the opportunities at different conventions to play it and get wonderful feedback. That either, and I must imagine there'll be points at which some of that feedback would either go, "Yes, that bit works perfectly," or "Crap, that bit just doesn't work." So. Um, if we can maybe go through some of your highlight moments from the the last four four or five years, four years. Highlight moments. I think playing it online and seeing that it worked online was good. Playing it with people at conventions was amazing. Um, getting feedback and getting information from people around the community and people in Frontier themselves was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, 
the highest point I think was essentially having people from Frontier playing it and saying they thought it was it seems quite good. Uh, Ed Lewis played it at one point. I didn't GM that game ironically. It was my son that GM'd that game, and uh, Ed came up to me afterwards and said that was really enjoyable. It looks like you've done a good job. Which to hear that from somebody from Frontier is tuned in with the community as well was really really nice. Yeah, and Ed likes uh, board games as well, doesn't he? Ed does like he does. board games, RPG games. He is a he is a connoisseur. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, so I just think obviously the the biggest bonus moment was when I obviously got that approval back from Frontier after so much, so many battles and so many back and forward conversations. And yes, I will say not just a single shouting match about it. Um, anyone that's been kind of following me or listening to me on Twitch or seeing other things that I do has probably seen there's been not a small amount of pain involved with this um, process. But uh, yeah, just get, getting that email that says it was approved was just, it was like revisiting that Kickstarter moment again and saying that, yes, it's done. And I can actually start looking at getting it out there and getting it in people's hands, so to speak. So that was lovely. So I was hoping that that would have been the the big moment of relief for you, but judging by the fact that you're now saying that you're having to now learn how to be a publisher, uh, it doesn't sound like that was the sort of let-off that, um, that maybe we were expecting it would be for you. No, I mean, I never thought it would be, because... I've always said to the wife, because my wife has been very supportive on this, and obviously she has her issues as well, and there's, it's been a lot longer than what she intended it to be. Um, she's been very supportive, but she has also said that, well, once it's released, is that it done? And I've just had to keep saying to her, well, no, because that's when the actual writing stops and the interaction with the world starts. That's when I need to go out there and start telling people it's there and telling people what it is and trying to sell it in different environments and try and get places outside the elite community to listen to it or buy it or be aware of it and stuff and obviously i'm, I'm looking at doing things like comic cons across britain or there's a there's a comic con in derby that have said i can have a table there or there's different places i can go to sell it or promote it and all that kind of stuff and i've got to try and get into doing that and try and get out into the community and looking at different rpg groups and locations for that so yeah, she's now starting to slowly realise, oh my God, this is never going to end. <laughs> it's, well, I suppose it's, it really is one of these things where it is a success based on the work put in. And if you stop putting That's the it. work in, then it stops selling. Uh, if you don't mind, we, you know how our sales been? Are they been particularly good? Are they better than you expected? Um, they're about what I expected. It comes in kind of fits and starts. It's... The first weeks that it went on pre-order was quite popular. The first week or so after it went on general release was really good and did well. Um, and then when I got into drive through RPG, there was a, a bit of a rush in stuff there as well. Um, but it kind of tails off and then people put it in the basket and think about it for a bit and then you get another rush of a few a few coming in on one day. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's doing okay. I wish it was doing better. Um but there, there is competition out there, obviously. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of fighting quite a lot of comments in different places that there confu- there's confusion on what exactly this product is now because I don't have as much marketing skill as perhaps some other people out there who are doing similar things. Um, but yeah, sales. I'm, I'm happy where it's going. If it does better than that, then I'll be happy again. But it's going to take a bit of work in going around conventions. Well, just before we go any further, let's see if we can get some sales tonight for the people that are listening in live. If they want to, I'm going to let you say this, although I now know the URL pretty well. Um, how can people so. pick up a copy of it? And, and actually, what do they get? 
Well, um, at the moment, it's a PDF copy, so it's an ebook, uh, full color, full detail, full proper professional layout. I hope I would call it professional because it doesn't look like a two-column word document. Um, within that book, you get you get the the background and lore from the Elite Universe, which I am proud to say is the only book in existence that has this information in it, um, and is its big selling point. I suppose, if I'm being honest. Um, there is a fully featured, fully customised uh, D6 based, which is six-sided dice that you'd find in Monopoly or anything like that, uh, role-playing system where you can create your own character and play that character through a number of adventures with a friend, with a bunch of friends. Um, within it, you've also got some full-colour plates of the ships, some stats, some information, some background stuff, information about the factions, and I will say you have one utterly, completely amazing vehicle combat system which was designed by none other than Colin Ford himself, Mr. Phoenix Defire, who is here at the moment. Take a bow, if you can. Well, um, it was a combined it, effort. It, it wasn't <laughs> just me, <laughs> to be honest. There, were, be, there were several arguments. <laughs> and that was him being create, tactful. <laughs> a creative tension. There you go. There was plenty of creative tension which went into that vehicle combat system. Well, is, is The it, honest story about it is, yeah, sorry. is that essentially I'd written myself into a corner. I had complete, utter writer's block as far as that system was concerned. I knew it had to be done. I knew it was not needing to come out there. And um, Colin and I sort of had a few conversations about it at one point and he... And he I kind of asked for his help and he kind of offered his help at the same time and yeah it was the best thing we did because Colin's input into that was vital if it hadn't been for Colin's input there wouldn't be a miniatures rule set in there so I may only be giving him the credit for it but essentially if he hadn't got involved it wouldn't have been there so thank you Colin not a problem um, I mean it's, it's one of these things where it, there, there's rules based on the original miniatures rules I had, but we've adapted them and adapted them and refined them so that they work within uh, Dave's role-playing game environment. So it, it's hopefully when uh, the miniatures do come to pass, if fingers crossed, etc., then you know there'll be a, a kind of interface so you could just use Dave's rules or or, or the miniatures rules, but. The, the the whole point is that there in there, there will be an interchangeable bit, so that uh, if you're playing the role playing game and you happen to have miniatures, then you'd be able to use that if you needed to. Well, no, it, and, it, uh, this sounds amazing. So it kind of means that you you go from the in your mind uh, and sort of imaginations in various maps and things into a sort of uh, almost like a, a a game where tactics. I've not seen the vehicle combat rules, so we can maybe talk about them later on. Maybe give sort of an overview of the different parts. I've got this wonderful uh, part on our show notes about the changes to the gameplay from when we've played it, and, and this has been a, it's been a long, it's been a crazy a couple of years since the last RPG um, episode. Christmas it was. It was the um, the very dodgy station with a lot of poo, uh, if I remember rightly. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it was one of those things where we thoroughly enjoyed it but again um, it's changed an awful lot since then so maybe with the both of you there actually we can talk about uh, well Dave you know, what your favourite sort of part of your gaming system is is there a bit in there that you thought you know other than the vehicle combat rules something that didn't involve any of, of, of him 
because he's going to say that one. Um, <laughs> him. him over there. Uh, is there. Is there a particular system that you put in the game and thought, you know what, that's flipping awesome. You have to say something because it's your book. You made it. And you're going to have to say something. So you have to come up with something. Well, the thing is, obviously, I think the whole damn thing's awesome because it is. It's just amazing. You know, for one person to generate something as awesome as this, it's a hell of a hell of an accomplishment. Mm, <clears throat> he says, tongue firmly in cheek. <laughs> well, look, no, it's not uh, something that anybody can come up with. <laughs> yeah, There's, it's one of these things where you know, you, you, I, I've, I've, I'd look at various different Kickstarters, um, the Paranoia RPG, and there's another one called Shrine. Is it Shrine or Shire? Something along those lines. That I, you know, I, I looked at, and they have massive teams of people involved, and they are, you know, they've got their art team, then they've got the story writing teams, and the introductions and the sort of backgrounds and, and, and adventure starter kits and stuff and then they've got the rules and then they've got all kinds of other support they've got a marketing department and you've got you so you yeah. you really can't afford to to downplay the awesomeness of the achievement you have managed. It is huge, but I'm looking for that gem. You know that that eureka moment when you were writing this and you thought this works and it's brilliant. What's that part of your RPG? What is it? I think to be honest, it's probably when I did the when when I reduced the stats from six to three stats to main stats because um, it made it so much more simple to play. Um, it was fairly simple as it was, but in, just for, for a new player to want to play it, just to have the three main stats and then add something to it, um, just made it just made it that much easier to play. So the thing I can think of. Would you say that? You know, <laughs> well, no, that's, that, that's that's a huge change, isn't it? Is it's a difference in complexity to make it more appealing. Would you recommend then? So someone who's maybe new to RPGs would find this as a a fairly one of the sort of the less difficult because I mean this, if you think of Dungeons and Dragons and you're thinking oh my god I'm going to have to read a, a 900 page book uh, sell my soul to some kind of demon in order to have a clue of how to start this are you quite confident that this is a nice relatively simple game for people to pick up? Well that was one of the core goals of the design phase was actually make it simple enough that a new person who'd never role-played before, could get into it fairly easily. That's why it uses D6s, because then all you need to do is go and download the PDF, raid your board game cupboard, and then you've, you've got everything you need to play then. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope, I think, in my head, that it's easy enough to pick up and play. The amount of people that have picked it up at conventions and been able to do it without any input from me, like generate a character on their own and then actually get into playing the game without actually asking me any questions, has been quite impressive. And most of those have been people who just walked up to the table and played it. So yes, I think I have achieved that, um, which I'm very <laughs> relieved about. I have had one comment from someone actually on the Kickstarter who said that he thought it was quite a complex system. Um, but that, And that did worry me. But as far as I'm concerned, I think, I think I've achieved it. Obviously, I'll wait for feedback from other people to find out for definite. Okay, well, you know, as, as we were sort of having a chat about before the, the show, it's maybe long overdue for another uh, live radio session where we can give people a bit of an idea of what it's like. Um, one of the things that I've been hopefully concerned or concerned about definitely is accessibility to games. Um, obviously, when you go to the conventions, it's n nice and easy to be able to have like-minded people, but when you're back in that real working world, it's very difficult to... Certainly for me up here, when you know there's just nobody to play with. 
if there's no one to play with. So we'll talk about that later on because um, I think I really want to pick your brain and think of ideas of ways of being able to tackle that. Um, combat in your game, because I know when we've played it and talked about it in the past, the one thing you didn't want it to be was a rule six battling through everything. You wanted it to be a bit more um, cerebral, maybe, um, more puzzle solving, looking f- outside the box. Well, more story based, yeah. So, my, my my expectation, kind of based on how I play these games and how I've designed this to be played, is that the, the GM has most of the work to do, or the lore master in the case of um, Elite Encounters, um, because they're the ones that set the scene, they're the ones that are setting the framework for the story, and the characters are doing their job as characters. Um, I've always been a very role playing type, role playing person. So I prefer to act out a situation and deal with the situation without having to resort to rolling dice. And the thing about having a combat system is that you always have to roll dice to have any combat. So anything you can do to try and get your way around a problem without drawing the guns, especially in a universe like Elite Dangerous's universe, where there are penalties for things like drawing your gun unannounced. You're not meant to have weapons on space stations in a lot of cases and all that kind of stuff. So... The answer isn't always meant to be at the point of a gun. You should be able to talk your way out of a problem. You should be able to deal your way out of a problem, make a trade. You know, if you're trying to role play through trade, you can't. You can't always try and rely on the dice. Okay. Um, so that's where I've tried to go with it. So it's not. I don't want people to focus on having to roll dice to sort any situation out. I would rather people kind of role play their way through the situation, thought their way through the situation, or even if they have got time in a situation, discuss their way through it. It's, I mean, it is, it is definitely um, a different feel to my limited role-playing experiences. Um, <laughs> it was a different way of, of trying to... I mean, obviously, there's the, the first rule of, of playing any RPGs to be uh, chicken shit last in the room, push everyone in in front of you, uh, which is generally the way that we've played it so far. And um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it, obviously, the combat rules are there. Uh, in your particular RPG... Uh, if I was a new GM um, and new or just fancying GMing for the first time, which is kind of where I am actually, am I going to find some good, strong help and tips in there? There are tips, and, well, hints and tips for lore masters all the way through the book, but there is a small section um, in the last third of the book, spe- specifically called Lore, uh, lore Masters Guide. Um, and that's got a few hints and tips for how to run games, how to. Um, Get a get a party started if you like, or get a gaming group started, and how to get players together and try and work out what those players want to get out of the games, um, as well as having two sample adventures that you can just use, just little event-driven stories that you can use to get people into the game and get used to playing, and then see how they want to play the game. Well, I think that's probably the biggest skill that your lore masters are going to have to uh, do is adjust to the group because you're going to have one bulgy pain in the arse in that group, aren't you? The one that wants to shoot everything. And you've got to put them yeah. put them back and guide it so that they follow your story as best as you can and as you want it. Otherwise, you just kill them all off very quickly. Um, Shan, have you had any opportunities to play the Elite Encounters RPG? I haven't, no. I mean, I last saw it being played oh, three years ago now. So I expect it's moved on quite substantially from when I saw it. Um, but one of the things that um, Dave said was particularly encouraging for a uh, encounter newbie like myself is the accessibility side of it. And 
gain that confidence to not only join in the game, but also GM it and having that background knowledge and, and things. So I'm, I'm looking forward to giving it a go. Cool. Brilliant. Uh, well, one thing I wanted to kind of go over was uh, the, the combat systems as well, because I think people always have an interest in, uh, you know, what kind of stats are there for combat? What, you know, is, is it a case of uh, rolling for attack, then rolling for targets, and then rolling for sub-targets? Or how, what is your current combat rules for sort of hand-to-hand well, current not, rules, not, hopefully not, yeah. the final rules, given that it's now printed. <laughs> <laughs> but, but rather than going um, into too many specifics, because you don't want to give away your, your, your book and then people just write it down and then go... But, you know, is well, it... They, one of the things about a role-playing game is that quite a lot of players will take hold of it and they'll take what they want to take from it and then they'll add to the rules or they'll take away from the rules what they feel makes their game work better for them. It's always been the case, and I've said that within the book as well. I've said, like, these rules are just rules the way that I think the game should be played. If you have a different opinion about how it should be played, then by all means, use what you want to use, what you're comfortable to use. And quite, it's, it's one of those things where everyone has their own style of playing, and yet, again, you have to tailor it to both the GM and to the players. So, But in the, in the case of this book, I mean, it's essentially contested tasks um, are what make combat. So the, the core of the rule set is you have tasks, if you want to achieve something, you have to say what it is you want to do. Say, for example, in this case, you say, I want to shoot that person in the back of the head, to use a really nice example. Okay. If that, if that person isn't paying attention, then you can, get a free, you can get a free action. So as long as they don't detect what you're trying to do, then you can do it. So what the first thing they would do is they would make a, an attempt to do... You would let them have an attempt to detect you coming up behind them. So they would use one of their primary stats, which is either mind, body, or senses... So in this case, you're trying to find out if something's coming. So you need some kind of danger sense, which is senses. So you take your senses value, and that's the number of D6s you have. So you can roll that many D6s. If you have um, a secondary stat, it's called a trait. If you have one of those um, that is relevant to that sen- that danger sense, like one particularly called danger sense, for example, if you have any, va- any number in that, then you can use another D6 for each value. So you're basically just adding D6s together. That creates your task pool. If you also have experiences, which are obviously things you've done before through the game sessions or through previous experiences before you start playing the game, like your character's background or previous careers, that kind of stuff, then you can have experiences in certain things. So if you have had a career before as a sniper or as some kind of marksman, then you could have a marksmanship stat. If you have any values in that, then you can add that number to the dice as well. So that gives you a dice pool. Um, You then have to roll that number of dice and reach a certain target number. So one success means that you've succeeded in what you do. Um, So the more dice you've got to roll, the better your chances are of hitting a one success. The better your chance, yeah, exactly. Um, The... What counts as a success depends on the difficulty level of what's being done. So in the terms of shooting someone in the back of the head who's not expecting it, if you're trying to detect that person coming up, if that person is being sneaky or hasn't moved or is sitting quite far away, then you're probably not going to have much chance to detect that. So the default difficulty level would be four for that. So that would be the the minimum level at that point. So you'd have to roll four or more to get a success. But if you were Fosler, for instance, and decided to trump up there with his big stompy legs and then try and uh, sneak up on someone, then the difficulty would be a lot higher, I assume. 
Look, um, well, if 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 somebody was stomping around and you're making the roll to try and detect that person, then the roll would be easier. Because you would then say, oh, okay, he's making a complete arse of himself, so it'll be difficulty three or two. <laughs> so essentially, here you're coming a mile away. It, I mean, it, it does it does fascinate me because it's a. Uh... It's kind of that uh, opportunity of when you have failed to inspire the lore master to give you the given, <laughs> and he's yeah, forced you exactly. down the route of dice <laughs> that you're in trouble because you know fine well it is going to be a tough one, but it can be yeah that that's the you know that adds to the excitement if done if done sparingly if too much then it's kind of you know a bit dull. There's a fine line. Uh, and that's the art of balancing, isn't it? That's the art of balancing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things as well. It, even that sort of like dice rolling type, type mechanic does lend itself well to the storytelling part of it as well, because you're making the character or the player tell you how they're going about a certain action. So you're making them think about what they're doing. So if you say, right, okay, what are you doing on the approach? Are you going to try and shoot this person back there from where you are? Are you going to move forward? And then they have to describe to you what they're going to do. And if they describe it to you in such a way that says, well, you're not taking much care, then you can adjust the difficulty levels as such. So even though it's a dice rolling system, it does give you a, a bit of an input into it from the player's point of view. Yeah, I mean, obviously the group you're playing with. So, okay, that's that's fair enough. I hope, I'm just trying to think of things that might uh, trick uh, people's interests. Um, we'll go over to having a sort of brief overview then of the kind of the vehicle and the sort of miniature rules, um, if you would be so good between uh, between you and Colin, obviously. <laughs> I was just going to ask very very quickly, and if it's not too much of a spoiler, is is there any give us a very high level overview of a scenario, just a, just a taste of the sort of things we can expect when we play it? Not expecting, you know, chapter and verse or anything, but just to kind of like it's at least a huge universe with a huge amount of lore. So, not having seen it for a while, I'm interested to see the sorts of adventures players could get up to. If it's a spoiler, tell me to shut up and whatever. But Well, the RPG itself doesn't have a particular scenario itself. It's a framework for storytelling. The story itself is something the, game, the games master or lore master would make up themselves. Hence the title, Lore Master. Because they're making up the lore for their gaming group and their little part of the universe. So it could be anything. I mean, there's there's a lot of plot hooks through the book, um, which is one of the main things I'm trying to get in there, is little ideas and little bits of narrative that could spark off somebody's storytelling ability and say, all right, that would make a, that would make a good starting point for this storyline. And then just basically, well, I keep saying basically, sorry. One of the things that you'd then do during your character generation process for your regular gaming group, you would look at the characters that those players are coming up with and you would try and look at what would suit that character group, how they would come together. What what can you think of that would put that group together? What would make them want to work together for a start? Um, you can help tailor that with the characters as they're doing their as they're doing their character generation as well, which does help sometimes because if you can get a unified kind of idea for your group, then it's easier. And then you can spark something off that just from someone's background. So there's a few, as I say, that in, in the book itself, there's a few little plot ideas. And especially for the military section, I did put a little section quickly in there to outline how to do military campaigns. Um, there are a few little ideas there, how to spark an individual character story from a military background. Um, and one of those is to say that as you're operating in your military unit, you get news from some of that member of your family has been 
has gone missing. And then you can then have the option to either go off on your own and do something about that, where your other group members would be trying to stop you or be trying to get to you or trying to help you, depending on what their character would do. So it's that kind of freeform initial idea, event-driven again, rather than putting people down a path for a scenario. You let, as, a, as a GM, when I'm playing, I usually let the scenario develop itself. So rather than railroading characters down a particular line of a story, you let the characters kind of tell you where they want to go. And if you feel as a GM or as a storyteller that it will advance their character or help them develop that character towards the end where you're going, towards the, the end result of what your mission is, then uh, it's a good idea to let them just go with that. Yeah, it's quite. That sounds fun. Yeah, it's quite or, or organic, isn't it? Um, that's the intent. That, that's how I've always seen role playing. You, you, you're telling you're you're not telling a story as such. You're not guiding people down a story path. What you're doing is you're you're showing them where the universe is, what's happening in the universe, and what they need to do within that universe. How they do that is up to them. Now you understand what kind of a mammoth task it was trying to create sort of standardised uh, methods to measure the infinite, uh, which is what you've been trying to do. <laughs> Sounds very grand for making the GM do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing. So, okay, right, vehicle rules. We're going to bring Colin in as well uh, and, and hear about what, what you have achieved for the vehicle combat system. Well, you go first, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, essentially, what we've tried to do is um, we've tried to make a vehicle combat system that integrates with the narrative of an RPG as well, so that you have two different ways of looking at it. You can have your narrative RPG, where you have the storyteller telling you what's going on, um, your players deciding they want to do something, and then you can quickly put a vehicle into that situation, whether it be a spaceship or a car or a bus or whatever, now the war bus, if you like. Um, and then they'll attack each other with whatever methods they have. Now, whether that's a pistol out of a window or a large plasma accelerator sticking out the top of your gun, uh, top of your ship, the flexibility is there to do that. You've also got the ability to have anaconda versus motorbike if you want to do that kind of thing. <laughs> um, that was the biggest struggle, was trying to get that part of it to work. Um and with, within the vehicle system that Colin and I come up with, I think that's the bit I'm most pleased about, is that we have managed to do a fairly easy way to make that work uh, by using a size value. So uh, basically your, your ship has a scale value from tiny to huge, I think it is. Yes. Um, yeah. And you can use that as a modifier to say this is how much more damage your weapons will do onto this type of vehicle compared to other things, as well as changing how the manoeuvrability works, how the speed works, and so on. So that, I hope, is fairly simple, but quite flexible in how that works. Uh, we haven't tried ships against anything else. We've only done ship-to-ship -ship yet in our playtest session. I was just, I was just thinking, um, in, in that respect, you would say, you, you know, you would heavily favour the attack of the Anaconda would be overwhelmingly more powerful than a motorbike, but... The defensive manoeuvres of a motorbike would far outweigh the ability of an anaconda to keep up with it. So you've kind of got that kind That's of exactly the point. Yeah. You ever tried to hit an SRV on a target on a planet with a <laughs> anaconda? I usually just try and land, and generally speaking, I'll find one underneath me. It's just, just land on it. Yeah. It's just unfortunately <laughs> that's just generally the way it goes. Well, that's that's quite fascinating. Um, Colin. Yes. So you know. What what are you um, happiest most with your combat rules? 
Well, I think the the one thing that um, that really made it for me was when we were discussing some of the combat me- mechanics. And I think there was a little bit of a flash of inspiration, which it never occurred to me before. When you've had, when you have one really good pilot, and a couple of pilots who aren't as good, but the fact is, you're still trying to avoid two different shots or two different attacks. And what we decided to do was, you have to, you have to, the 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 super pilot has to decide how much effort he's going to put into each evasion so basically we split his dice pool so or his defense score so that he says right this sidewinder is attacking me with uh, an attack of five so i will try and evade him with five but that will only leave me with three dice to deal with this eagle that's coming in and he's attacking me with five as well so i'm going to hope that Basically, I avoid the sidewinder and I can take whatever the eagle throws at me. It, it just adds that little bit of extra peril, oh, I see. a little bit of tactical thought, that, which you have to. That's quite clever. You have to put in. So you know, it is, you, isn't it? your advantage is the potentially because of your experience, you'll have an extra, an extra dice to use against one of the other ships, but. You're going to have to work out which ones you're going to treat as the priority threat in the hope that the little ones won't hurt you so bad, but they've got the potential to do so. Um, if, yeah. If they're lucky with their rules. Um. <laughs> the the idea being was that I really like the fact that um, it, it tries to keep things a little bit, the numbers against each other. Normally the best games would work if you've, if you if the pilots are about the same and the, the abilities are about the same, and then it's all down to the player, uh, the player skill. If you see what I mean. Yeah, the tactics. And, but, and you, yeah, and the tactics. But I just, I just love the fact that um, the uh, let's say a, a highly rated player will then have to work out. Oh God, I know that I'm going to have to evade the the incoming fire from this cutter because it will rip me to shreds. But I know those two little sidewinders behind me, and they're going to have to get. I'm going to have to just take the hits from them and hope. Yeah, and then of course you you roll the massive roll that means that you only really needed two dice, and you then get hammered by two sidewinders that are magically flying out of their skins. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, um, yeah, it sounds like it really kind of opens up that kind of combat and and kind of makes it really exciting. How has um, feedback from that gone? Well, we've, um, we've we've how many games did we play, Dave? There was about four or five, wasn't there? Four, I think four altogether. Yeah. Yeah, um, and basically we, we we streamed it out live as as we uh, as we tried to test out what these various rules were, and it, there was a lot of evident creative tension <laughs> and thumb waving. <laughs> More importantly, the thumb waving. Um, I must admit, Dave is uh, he hates his dice. Because they never roll good for him. No, they, they hate me. I like my <laughs> dice. They just don't like me very much. So, so, um, I mean, bless him. He, he tried a lot, but the, <laughs> it was it was the dice of doom bless him, that got him. Patronizing bugger. Randomius Factoria was not with me in these sessions. <laughs> no, she wasn't. Basically. Um, yeah, and the feedback that we had, there were about what, 
10 to a couple of 10 to 20 people watching us at some point and uh, they all seem quite enthusiastic about it. it it did seem to go across quite well um, some of the balancing between the ships and stuff was an absolute nightmare <laughs> thus creative tension uh, but uh, I'm having seen the final result all written up and and uh, put together I'm, I'm there thinking yep I'm quite happy with that brilliant brilliant I mean all I'm really thinking is when can we play when can we play when can we play when can we uh, and have a go at this because it does it sounds really quite exciting um, right well, actually, it's quite funny, isn't it? It's almost like I wrote, I read the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Because what the next coin is, of obviously, is how do we play and, and how can we play and what are the requirements for a new player? But we've kind of covered that. All you need is to go and raid all your other board games, grab your six-sided dice, a pen and, and a bit of paper, and um, away you go with your imagination and your friends. But, um, you have to buy a copy of the game as well, obviously. Obviously, you've got to go into you know, daftworks.co.uk and, and grab a copy of that uh, amazing Elite Encounters RPG, download it, stick it on your digital device, or if you are particularly, you know, paper-heavy, um, print it out. <laughs> Whatever you fancy. <laughs> it's up to you. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. Um, but um, you've got GM guides, as you've covered, Um how about uh, advice for the players in your book? Is there any advice for the enthusiastic noob? I think we've covered that from the GMing or the lore end, the lore mastering it. I think. I mean, I think if if you're an if, if you're into your elite and you want to play the game, then buy a copy of it. Have a read through the stuff that's there, and find someone who wants to run a game for you. Or, or run one yourself if you feel that you you know you you can, uh, and this was something that has been concerning me about. Um, <laughs> why is everyone telling me to look at my fuel? This is something I that, was wondering that. Yeah, yeah. Just I'll, I'll go have a wee quick peek. It, it looks all right as far as I can see. Let me just take the chat box away. Yeah, <laughs> it it looks okay. It's 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 a bit three quarters in the. Yeah, it's it's all right. It should be fine. This is fine. Yeah, but you're right next to the station. You just go in, refuel, and come out again. And it's not. A, it's not as if you're going to have to call the fuel the fuel rats when you're right outside the station. Oh, I have <laughs> seen an infamous streamer who is famous for running out of fuel run out of fuel outside a station before. He it's, didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I'll just wait until it blows up. It's fine. The thing that concerns me, as 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 a you know, a hard hardly working man up in in Glasgow, and not really having a clue of any local clubs or pubs or anywhere that I could go along, hop skipping and jumping with my copy of Elite Encounters under my arm, and sit down and go, any more game? Is do you have any particular? plans or ideas or just advice for people who have bought this and really want to play it but don't know how to find someone else like-minded to play with is there anything out there for that kind of gap no there's things everywhere i mean most cities and towns have some kind of role-playing group or gaming group somewhere around 
most cities that I know of have some kind of gaming club. Um, I know that Derby has a couple of pubs and clubs that are um, that run games and that kind of stuff. Um, there are always forums. If you go on Facebook, there's loads of gaming groups on there that you can check out and find out if there's anybody in your local area. Use things like Twitter or Google, even. Um, well, yeah, well, if I mean, we've had success, success with Google Hangouts in, in exactly. some of these things. It really is the case of, you know, I'm sitting here and I'd be thinking, you know, is there anywhere that we've got a location that is set? Oh, shush up, silly. Um, <laughs> Silly's picking up on something I said. Uh, is there any, you know, places? Because I know that some um, sites have um, sites where you can sort of register and their games run at regular intervals. Do we have a forum in the Elite Dangerous forums where people can advertise games and get sign-ups? Um, there is a belief, but I'll be honest with you, and this is probably something I'm going to have to resolve now that the the game's out, is that I don't actually tend to use the Frontier forums very much um, because of the fact that they're so busy and so dirty and just <laughs> things move quite quickly on there. And I've never been able to keep up with it. But yes, it's something I need to start looking at and getting onto there. But the, there is a role-playing forum area on there as well. And I know that the EDRPG has been mentioned in there because I believe that I think it was Colin that actually put a post on there about it. Oh, Am I right in thinking that, Colin? Did I? Did I? Um. <laughs> if it, if it <laughs> wasn't you, it was, it was someone. No, no, it wasn't. It was uh, Sean Gibson. Oh, there you go then. I yeah. knew it wasn't me. <laughs> Sean Gibson put a post on the forum about it and said that it was out and that he'd, he'd, he'd give it a very generous review. Well, not generous. It was right because it's awesome. Um <laughs> And obviously that was that was taken quite well quietly because no one really responded to it. But never mind. But it's in there, yes. So if you wanna if you wanna have a look in there, then by all means do so. Um, I'm sure that over time um, I will start pushing it on there as well. But as I say, I'm I'm, trying, I'm looking a little bit wider than the frontier area at the moment. Well, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get your marketing out there to the new markets where there's more people that would that would, you know you can bring to the elite galaxy, which is awesome. Um, an ambassador yeah. for the elite universe you are, sir. And I just think, you know, there's there's obviously a gap there between people who, you know, because obviously if you can create a structure whereby a GM can say, I'm running an event and I'm looking for six players on this night and people can sign up to it, being able to have a central location for that would be amazing um, and some way for people to be able to go there and say, well, I'm looking for a game and obviously it's just a case of having that, that very basic kind of, uh, I would like to play a game and I would like some players for my game and being able to tie the two together. But I don't know of anywhere that that exists. Well, I mean, we're getting around some of that with CQC and, and discourse and things like that, but I think it might be an idea for, I don't know, some kind of matching system on the, on the website, maybe, or, or something like that. It's, it's a difficult thing, because if you... It's one of those things where, you know, you, you, you find yourself as a 40-year-old a forum dad suddenly playing... Uh, Mobius forum 40. dad. Uh, Mobius forum dad. Only 40. Um, shut up. <laughs> 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 suddenly playing an, uh, an Elite Encounters game with, uh, you know, 12 
15 and 14 year olds and suddenly you're kind of feeling a little bit older and uneasy about your current situation so there's you know there's, there's quite a lot of requirements are taken and if there's somebody out there that has a solution for this if there's somebody out there that's running a solution we want to know and we know that there are many websites that allow you to use dice without having dice and they are awesome as we have used them for the various different um, RPG episodes that we have been uh, involved in we have what was it drop 20 and roll 20 roll 20 is one yeah. think drop 20 is another one or d20 net there's tons of them out there that allow you to there's have loads of them, yeah. the physical or the virtual of the physical so to give you that virtual tabletop to put your maps and things on and a lot of them have got a lot of lovely tools involved in them as well which is awesome but that's how to play it and how to get together to play it what we're lacking in the universe is the ability to put players to GMs and GMs to players uh, other than if you happen to be in the likes of TeamSpeak on, on a player group and uh, able to arrange it yourselves but if there's someone out there that has uh, an inkling or has a website that would tackle this I know that when Chaos Reborn first came out they had a tournament system website that you could register for and then it would tell who's online and it would offer you a game. You would then put your game ID in and that other person would then swing into your game and boom, you've got a game and then you're in the tournament. And that worked really well. And it would be awesome to see something like that that isn't a case of making a rod for your own back. So I can only imagine, Dave, that if you wanted to do an online session that people, and this may well be something that you can give me a royalty or a sort of cut out of, um, <laughs> But if you wanted to do pay, you know, GM sessions and you're charging an entry to GB, be GM'd by Dave because he is God. Um, then, you know, that, that you'd be making a rod for your back saying that, you know, every Thursday night I'll be running two RPG sessions or one RPG session or on a Sunday I'll be running one. If you'd like to be part of that team, then blah, blah, blah. And that's too strict, I think to be doable but if it's a case of you get home at the end of the day and you think you know what I fancy doing some uh, GMing and you log in and you just go I'm looking for four or five players for a quick adventure should take two or three hours put that up and then within half an hour you've got the players that would be I awesome I think you can do that on Roll20 already is it in there? I think so yeah pretty sure that you can go you get a game ID um, when you create a game and if you want people to play you can just give them that game ID and they can join so well, that's 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 fair enough. Once you've got the players, but is it, are you able to advertise that as an open game through the system? I'm not sure. That's, I think it does fair. have a forum. I think there is a forum for it. So that's that's one of the main things that people use these days is forums and bulletin boards to, to get this stuff out there and things like Discord groups. So I, mean, as, as, as I think group. using yeah. As the likes of Live Radio, we will certainly, if we're running events or we know that someone's running an event, we will definitely want to put the word out and give you as much advertising as possible to sort of say that this is happening on this date if you want to be interested in it. But that's the problem with that. That's going to take, what, a week or so to, to get your team together. And we need, it's, it'd just be really good to have yeah, that, that yeah. central location where you go, I fancy playing some Elite Encounters tonight. I wonder if anyone's about. I've got a free evening. The wife's gone out. The wife's left me. Whatever. <laughs> uh, I told her it's I fancied a, it's playing it's a role-playing game and she's gone off and she's taken the cat. 
I'm not sure if there's something there specifically that would give you that kind of thing, but I'm I'm pretty sure that given everything that's out and about these days, there's a lot of open groups and a lot of open chat rooms. Discord's done quite a lot about getting that kind of stuff together. So you've got a place where people will hang out and have a look at stuff. God help us, we've got Reddit that can do that as well. So you probably could go into certain areas of the internet and say, I want to play a game of this tonight, who's up for it? And you would get a few pings back on it. So without having a specific thing there, I think it could be done. But yeah, a specific thing that would let you do that kind of thing would be a pretty cool idea. And you should trademark that. Well, I'm just putting it out there for people that can do it better than I can because I'm crap. Um, <laughs> the, the Dead Meat GF is saying it's a long time since he's RPG'd. Uh, I hope that's got nothing to do with a grenades. Uh, but this is probably going to get him back <laughs> into it. So, yeah, Dead. And this is the thing, you know, as, as a sort of community focal group which we kind of are and a lot of the other twitch streamers as well there's a demand for people who would love to play rpg games that are organized by the likes of a live radio group and um from a twitch streamer so if mad dog wanted to run uh, a session there would be a, a queue of people to sign up for that because everyone would want to do that and this is you know the kind of Oh, crack, okay. I remember it back in the first Elite Meet <laughs> that with being an internet personality in the group of Elite Dangerous there's a responsibility to show people how to behave and to make sure that everyone feels included and this is exactly what this is bugging me about because it's how do we get games going because damn well I want to play and I'm not quite confident enough to GM yet but I will do it <laughs> if I have to <laughs> oh god, that'll be paranoia. <laughs> well, you know, how, how many how many lives do we going to need? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, elite encounters. It's, it's just you know, it takes. Uh, if, if I'm not blowing too much smoke up your arse here, Dave, it's one of these situations where you are taking the game which is on your screen and you are slipping yourself into the movie version of that game. And mm. that's where the excitement comes and the longevity of your character. Imagine finishing that adventure one week and then the next month you're taking that guy out after a successful character and you're taking him back out for his next mission. But this time it's more dangerous. And then you've got more worry because you're actually giving a shit about the bit of paper with numbers on it going, oh God, oh God, oh God, he's going to die. No, um, that's awesome. That's what RPG mm. should be. It should be taking your character to where you can and then turning up at a convention with a four-page character sheet. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> with staples on it, and you're going, yeah. And everyone sits down at the table, and they go, let's roll characters. And you go, no, I've brought mine with me. His name is <laughs> Bubba. And uh, that, that, that I, I would love to see, because I think, you know, the conventions are great, but I mean, it's just it's so difficult for the likes of well, you, Dave, to to be at all the conventions and also to 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 have the energy to run enough sessions to satisfy the demand. I need staff. God damn it, I need staff. You need GMs. We need the GM centre. We need, <laughs> and um, yeah, you know that's that's what I well that's what I was concerned about when it comes to arranging games. Now, <clears throat> moving on. I think I've ranted enough. Consumables. Consumables. <laughs> I don't mean snacks. That's obviously provided by the lore masters. <laughs> Baskets. 
<laughs> I was meaning your character sheets and yeah. any other sheets that you might need. Uh, is there a way of downloading uh, blanks or are they in that PDF and then you just print them? They're in the PDF at the moment. Um, the only place you can get them is in the PDF just now. But there is a plan afoot once I get some spare time from trying to start out the EPUB versions and other different things that are going on. Um, that there will be freely available character sheets, vehicle record sheets, um, dice templates for those who want to print off and build card dice, and just um, quick reference sheets and so on from the book. I'm going to put those onto the website store as free downloads and probably put them on drive through RPG as well as free downloads. I'm not sure at the moment whether to do it as a, as a pack, like you get one character sheet, one um, vehicle sheet, and all the bits and pieces you need to play the game in one place, other than the actual rules, obviously, or whether to do them as separate files yet, I'm not quite sure. Okay. Oh, I'll tell you what that's for. Winge and Pom mentioned Jaffa Cakes. Oh. <laughs> Beer is a consumable, Taron, that is correct, but that's not kind of what I was talking about. Um, if I could get some beer for you, downloadable from the website, I would do it. Is it in the PDF? That's one problem. <laughs> You I can, can never do a PDF on beer in an email. But yeah, okay. I think it might soak through the paper. Any other outlets for purchasing? Is there anywhere else you would like our support in picking it up? Uh, obviously, if you pick up direct from daftworks.co.uk, then you get the cash. Is is there anywhere else that you would like um, that might help? Um, can, can it's on drive. Sorry. <laughs> It's on Drive Through RPG as well, uh, which means it's also on RPG now. These are the two sort of main biggest uh, online role playing suppliers in the world. I think um, they're certainly American, so they probably think they're the best ever of them. But they are very, very good, and they have a lot of services. So yes, they're, it's on there. Um, I'm trying to get it on Amazon, but I can apparently only put it on Amazon as a Kindle format. So that's going to have to wait till the Kindle format comes out. Um, it will also be available at some point in print-on-demand form from print, uh, from Drive Through RPG as well, and hopefully again from Amazon in the same format. Okay, excellent, excellent. I think that's all right. Well, that's what it is now, and where you've brought it to. What uh, other than your your running around promoting and marketing? What kind of future development are you expecting for Elite Encounters? Um, well, that's the difficult thing, and th th this is where it gets into a bit of a tricky subject because obviously it's a one book deal. Um, hang on, uh, Shan, that's not entirely true. Um, I know a lot of people who are selling through Amazon and through other people at the moment as well. Drew Wagar being one of them. Um, he obviously sells his book through his books through Amazon and through Fantastic Books and through Frontier. So I know I know that's not the case. Uh, they might have changed because I know there's a couple of authors who have come off Amazon because Amazon wanted exclusive deals with them. So well, if, if that's the case, then Amazon ain't getting it. <laughs> they're just I, I, I honestly can't see why they would do that because they're only going to lose custom because they would lose custom from any official publisher. I so if they wanted to stock yeah. books that were that were sold by actual mainstream publishers like Golanx, for example, they wouldn't be able to. I would so buy it off a hell Amazon. Of business. 
That's, that's for sure. I would buy it on Amazon just to have it pop straight to my Kindle and be nice and easy when replacing Kindles and stuff so that it's nice and it's there for me. So that's definitely, you know, other than that, I just use my, um, what's it called, Calibre library to convert it and plop it in myself. Yeah, well, that's that's why I'm giving it away. Not giving it away, but selling it as uh, Kindle versions as well because it is easy that way. If I can get it onto Amazon and Amazon don't demand exclusivity, then it'll be on there because I really want to get onto Amazon given that it's obviously the biggest shop in the world. Um, and I'd lose... I'd be silly not to, really. Well, yeah, and, and then you get some nice sort of, you know, four and five stars and 11 stars feedback. Well, that's it. I'm, I'm getting some good reviews or a good review so far that I can tell about on Drive Through RPG, so... It is good to have that that knowledge there and get that get that kind of measurement. And Amazon is one of the main places where people will review something. I've found, so it would be good to get it on there. And I'm I'm hoping they're not going to have that kind of real shan because that would just be very nasty of them. It'd be crap. And yeah, so future yeah. development is affected by the fact that yeah. it's a one book deal. So it's kind of yeah. Yeah, as, as I was saying, it's it's kind of a it's a dodgy thing because I can't do any additional versions of it unless Frontier asks me to. Um, I always and there's a bit of a question mark over whether I can support it via the website or not. So if anybody asks for any additional information about something, am I allowed to put that on there? I've forgot that question out at Frontier at the moment to see where they stand on it. And if I am able to do um, sort of unofficial releases of information, at least at least to answer questions from people then I'll do as much as I can. But as far as I'm concerned, the website on uh, Daftworks has a forum. Um, I'm approachable on there. I'm on my own stream on a Monday evening as well, if anybody wants to catch me on there. And obviously, if anybody wants to leave comments or anything on the books uh, shop site or anywhere else, then there's loads of different ways to get in touch or find out information. So, Brilliant. Okay, and my, my final open-ended question to you, which might strike fear into your heart and divorce proceedings into your home what <laughs> what is your next project oh you have no idea <laughs> don't you ever ever do anything like this again <laughs> um, i currently have i have a project in hand at the minute which is um more rpgs because the the, the system was designed to be flexible um although frontier own the kind of elite-related content of the RPG, um, the contract allows me to have any non-frontier-related uh, sort of content as, as my own to do with as I please. So the game system itself is mine to use with other things. So I have the potential there to use that as a core as a core system for a lot of related products and just put together like background information and specific equipment lists and so on. Oh, just creating um, your own universes and stuff like that. Nothing major. No, nothing is going to yes, take too long. It's, that's exactly it. The, the hard work's been done. The system's done. It's there. It's ready to play. I would need to create a new uh, vehicle set of rules, Colin. Sorry. Um, <clears> to <throat> take it away from the way that Elite works. Um, yep. I, I have that in, in hand already, which come the time when this actually may happen, I'll get in touch with you about Colin to see if you're uh, willing to collaborate on that as well. <laughs> more pain for you oh no more creative tension <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that sounds um, that sounds really positive that um, I know that in, in my little notes and things I was you know the, the issues that I remember well were the, the frustrations at your delays not be, not just because of what you had to put up with 
and overcome to get this project done, but also because of the reaction to people that uh, that you had from some people that put a lot of pressure on you to to you know all, all the things. That, and if you if you are a member of backer of any of the non-completed uh, Kickstarter projects out there, which <coughs> there are yes. a few, uh, <laughs> then you know the frustration of which I speak. Uh, and unfortunately, even though Dave was there, active and communicating he still faced a lot of sharp points from various backers sometimes and um, I'm really heartened to hear that that has not put you off continuing with what you love well that's what passion's all about Grant I wouldn't know if I didn't have the passion to do this I wouldn't have I wouldn't have got this far I mean you know more than anybody else I think there's been some points where I've really been close to giving up um, because of some of the stuff that people have said and some of the stuff that's happened and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, real life has um, not been nice to you at all. It is, it has, this has been, been a challenge. It's, be, it's not been easy. No, it hasn't. And that's an, that's an understatement. Um, but yeah, as, as I've said, uh, it's not put me off. Um, it's heartening to know that now that the book's out there, all the people who have been extremely negative have gone very, very quiet. All the ones who are saying things like, oh, I'm never going to see that money again, have gone extremely quiet now. Um, but I will say that one of the one of, one of the rather negative people who was making a comment, or who was continually making comments about the game, actually fronted up the other day and they actually posted an extremely long apology to me through Kickstarter, which was nice. It was a very considerate of him to do that. Um, and it's nice that at least one person who has been quite vociferously negative has had the backbone to come up and say, all right, fair enough, I was wrong. Well, you I, did it. Uh, you proved a, me wrong. That's a very well honourable thing for them to do as well and, and, is, yeah, and yeah, shows exactly. the kind of metal that they have, which is, you know, hats off to them. Much respect for him. Exactly. Crikey. Um, Shan, do you have any... any <laughs> I've been I've been dominating. <laughs> I told you I was excited about it. I was really just desperate to get in chat to Dave again. Yay! Um, Shan, any questions for Dave? Um, well, I was just going to say that I'm still getting back on my chair after hearing someone has written an apology on the internet. Um, <laughs> I know. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> oh, dear. Until, um, until the uh, apocalypse happens now, now then. <laughs> hell freeze over? I, I just want to say I, I look forward to playing a game of it, really. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm quite a big law, elite law fan, and to be honest, I think even if it never played a game, I'd probably buy it for the law snippets in, in the content. You mean, you mean you haven't already? You've had two hours, man. Get it done. I've been listening to, to Grant and, and you. But uh, no, it's, no it's, just, it's, it's something I think that will spark imagination. But if you get the player and it will encourage you then to GM and start your own game. So uh, it, I think it's definitely, it's definitely a burner with, with me, I think, to... Uh, get that interest into doing RPGs again because as I last did some years ago your Space Marine I think was the last one I played but uh, yeah looking forward to it right have you, have you, have you well, I know Shan is a, a big fan of um, Lavery I'm just going to drive my docking computer frantic by requesting docking permission when my thrusters disabled <laughs> that's going to upset it um, docking computer it's a beluga 
You need you something. Oh no, I can. If you consider docking, catching yourself in the slot, and not being able to move and blowing up, then yeah, I dock it brilliantly. You're um, doing well so far. Yeah, well, I should, I should really turn my thrusters on. So, uh, Colin, have you got any sort of comments or anything in desperate that you'd like to ask um, Dave in a public forum? Maybe you'd like a, a final axe to grind with him. No, no, I, I will, I will just leave it there and say well done mate yeah, because basically it, it does feel like it's been worth the effort in the end doesn't it honestly <laughs> honestly no 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 lying about it no kidding actual serious answer to that question <laughs> fair enough <clears throat> We're, we're, no, not no, gonna, no. we're not going to. We're not going to. Do you want me to give you an? Uh, no, no. Yes. <laughs> God, yes. Do you want to know something, right? Do you want I'm going to give you a little anecdote from quite recently. I'm I'm trying to get the print-on-demand stuff sorted for the people who have pledged for physical copies of the book, and I'm dealing with a a, a print house um, down south somewhere who are kind of helping me get get it done, and they sent me a proof copy of it last week. The first proof copy of it last week, which you may have seen on my um, YouTube channel. Um, when I held that book in my hand, I cried. Yeah, that says it all. And I have no bones about saying that, because that, to hold that thing in my hand, which has been a virtual thing that went through development hell, and has given me no end of sleepless nights, mental breakdowns, arguments, chaos, nastiness, whatever... To actually physically hold that thing in my hand, flick through it and see the stuff that I've done look like something I would have bought in a store 10, 20 years ago when I was into role-playing, before I got started with all this, was absolutely mind-bogglingly amazing. And yeah, it was just too much. You were holding your baby in your hands all over again. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, Anne was sitting next to me at that point when I was doing that, and she luckily she didn't ask me this, but if she'd asked me at that point who I loved most in the world, she would have been disappointed. <laughs> oh, God. Seriously, Someone's it has been... On the couch tonight. <laughs> luckily she's not anywhere near me at the moment, and hopefully she won't be watching this. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a hell of a ride. It's been a, a roller coaster from start to finish. But was it worth it? Looking back on it now, yes, it was worth it. Brilliant, that's great. A nice positive note to, to, to end that on. Now, because it is all about Elite Encounters, it's your opportunity now to, to, to even the score if you wish and to get whatever statements you want out there to the listening um, person or, or one listener hello <laughs> if you would like to, to get any message out there about your late encounters what would you like it to be um, buy it it's awesome it's brilliant I think for I'm not very good at selling myself I always I always put myself down I always kind of do the kind of self-deprecating humour but if I was looking at this objectively from a point of view as someone who wanted to get into role playing and wanted to play an elite dangerous based role playing game I would buy mine because mine is awesome for one person to do that to write that book is quite an impressive feat so I keep being told see I just can't do it I can't do the self promotion thing do you know what we haven't said how much is it Dave 
400 no oh wait. wow that's real it's a bargain oh crap 400 rubles um it's uh fuck how much is it oh damn it, i swore I promise i wasn't going to do that tonight um it's 20 quid you can buy it from my store for 20 quid or you can buy the uh pdf plus epub plus mobi set for 25 quid on the website right now or you can go to drive through rpg and buy it for 20 quid there as well or 26 dollars because they do everything in dollars that's a more complicated answer than you expected Nope. That sounds like yes. a bargain to me, considering that's less than the price of a AAA game, which you can finish in three or four hours. And exactly. You've got, you've got games that will last you a lifetime, really, because it seems to be limited only by imagination. So that seems like a bargain to me. It's 20 of your shiny English pounds. For your 20 quid, you get 314 full-colour pages with all custom artwork by the amazing Arto Heikinen and by myself. You have lore from the Elite Dangerous universe, which you will get nowhere else. Uh, you have a fully featured, customized, custom-built um, role-playing game system and vehicle combat system created with love by people in from Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Iron Brew. Made in Scotland from dice. <laughs> um yeah and I, I, I completely agree I think that there are triple A games out there that don't have as much content as what's in my book so yeah <coughs> I've but gone there I don't care thank you so much for coming on this week Dave I have loved it um, it has been an absolute joy having you on talking about Elite Encounters a game that um, we have as Lave Radio, thoroughly enjoyed playing through your scenarios and having a damn good giggle with you all, all the way along as well. <laughs> so thank you very much for that, and I, we really do wish you all the best uh, with that. And we cannot wait when it's time to talk about your new project and give some light, Sean, on that as well, because I'm sure the people out there will be really interested to find out what you're working on next. Crikey, there's so many things going on at the Planet moment. Planet Coaster, the role-playing game. Wow! Blow your <laughs> mind. <laughs> <laughs> the new Jurassic Park RPG by Sellers and Hughes uh, called Jurassic uh, Encounters. No, he's gone. Chomp. <laughs> as long as you can role-play a T-Rex, I think you're on for a winner. <laughs> I've got a little short arm, so I'm, I'm, I'm there already. It's difficult to throw the dice, isn't it? Or to pick them up with the well, you need, your you, need th <laughs> you need three successes in order to eat Sandro, who's running away from you. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose that's the Five joy. Five successes to eat Ed, because it's so small. But I think, you know, I don't know, I mean, obviously we're not going to push you for those details until your such time, but I can only think that the concept of sitting down in front of your book of nice core rules and then thinking, I've just got to come up with the world and the universe around this must be quite a daunting process and uh, uh, I'll be honest with you again I've got three different worlds oh, ready God. to go Dave, you know what <clears throat> if she divorces you, I'll, I'll, marry you. I'll marry you I'll marry you <laughs> you can be a cat and on man. that bombshell <laughs> Right. Somebody's going to have to stop him or he's going to go on all night. Yeah. He will go on all night. 
Of course I will. Right, we're going to move on. Uh, that it was uh, Dave Hughes, and of course you can get Elite Encounters by going to daftworks, spelled correctly, .co.uk. Click on the lovely ink, uh, link and you will be one purchase away from opening up your elite mind worlds to the general public. Uh, we recommend you do that. And if you are a GM out there and you're looking for players, please get in touch. Let us know. If you have a solution to this GMing issue, get in touch. We want to know. Um, now, and funny enough... If you have any issues raised by the things on tonight's show, then please call our helpline. Have you read the next <laughs> the next part of the Community Corner? Can I just say before you move on, yeah. to, to you guys in particular, thank you for your support. Because Grant, Colin... Um, Shanna, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I've, I've not really spoken to you much over the last couple of years. So this I think is really I've towards... some of your hair off a fantastic color. I think it's going to you probably did. <laughs> Many people did. So um, thank you for that. But just in, in terms of live radio as a whole and the guys that are on here tonight, you guys have been so supportive and so amazing and so helpful uh, over the last few years. I There's a lot of the stuff that I've done that I could not have done without you guys, and that is a literal truth. So thank you from the bottom of my heart to all of you for your help. Not at all, a pleasure, and again, I say we're always happy to have you on. Uh, just, it just amuses me that the very next line in Kuitikor says, "If you are wondering there how to make a galaxy talk by Anthony Ross <laughs> uh, from Frontier Expo, it is. Uh, if you're wondering where it is, where it is, that's it. That must be where it is." So where mm. the How to Make a Galaxy Talk by Anthony Ross is from Frontier Expo, um, Ed, apparently on his lunchtime live stream, said it will be redone and transmitted via live stream where it can also be more interactive and in better quality. But there's no ETA, no guarantees, no money back, no VATs, black or white, rich or poor, we've got price. What? What the hell am I saying? Anyway, <clears throat> Ed also mentions they're looking at doing more TED-style streams in the future. Oh, my goodness. Really? That's awesome. So yeah, yeah I, I was on the I was on the live stream when he did it, and that was a bit that stood out for me because he's looking at bringing on some of the frontier offings. Pe- people we'd rather listen word. to than Ed. This is amazing. Oh no, I love Ed. Ed's, <laughs> br- Ed's brilliant. I think he compared the Frontier Expo professionally and to a standard that could never be held against even the more consummate professionals out there. He did a sterling job, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed watching that from home. Ah, right. He we have- and, he even ha- and he even had a suit on, which was most strange. I feel that I'm not allowed to raise this next point, uh, being part of the problem. Um, <laughs> well, okay then. The Hutton Truckers—they broke the what, the trade record for seventy-nine million six hundred twenty-four thousand eight hundred credits in one sale. We did. That, that, that's, that is that is impressive. But that's not but the then, trade record oops. since we've we've found out the, the the facts that that's not the trade record. But it is definitely now the definite highest truckers trade record. So. Um, I think it's the second highest trade record Ooh. in game. Oh, you'll have to do better. Yeah, well, the actual highest trade in game was 784 unknown artifacts Ooh, being geez. sold by Commander Eldritch. I think I think he's part of the Cannon Group, or he was part of the Cannon mm. Group, who netted a 210,188,048 credits in a single transaction. 
Jesus. Now, to, to, you know, so, I mean, obviously, you know... So how did his ship not get eaten? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, this is the trick. So, I mean, these are not small, single people doing these. These take an awful lot of um, effort. Now, for the Hutton truckers, I knew about that as it was going on because they'd kind of told us about it now. Something that wasn't um, clear, and I think it was taken a bit out of context, was obviously the dumping of these particular materials in one big sail at Obsidian Orbital um, kind of <clears throat> broke Obsidian Orbital as it was shut down by the massive amounts of alien tech dumped on their doorstep. However, we yep. did have a plan of action in place which had a whole pile of meta-alloys being sent. In fact, so many more than were possibly even likely to be required to make sure that any downturn would have been resolved almost immediately. And um, But yeah, there was a bit of salt. Yeah, Obsidian Auto, uh, Orbital certainly got trucked, didn't it? It got royally trucked, but um, that was an amazing thing. Now, what they had there was they had the, the, as many racks as they could that were resistant. They uh, had continual ships doing hull repairs, trying to keep it intact. There was techniques of dropping and passing and shipping, and that's why they sort of 300 was the key. So there was an awful lot of work going on with support ships and people bringing them in to that ship, which spent its entire time in the station getting repaired, then coming out, scooping up some more, going back in and repairing it was an ongoing cycle that took the best part of i think two to three weeks um of gameplay so it was not a small undertaking and that's that's what made this one really impressive and obviously the original the the the, the number one sale 784 unknown artifacts is just unbelievable but they must have, again, had a team of people helping out in order to maintain it, because all you have to do is get them into that ship, get that ship docked and sell it. Uh, and that is the sort of biggest point of which you're going to have. Loading it up with 784 is probably going to take the best part of two to three hours, so you just got to try and maintain your ship system and have continual people bringing them in. So it's not undoable, but it is a team effort. We are obviously going to congratulate them as hunting truckers with some mugs to those that were involved because it is a huge undertaking and an amazing effort and um yeah sorry to anybody who it's was upset it sounds to me as though your group should be renamed to the hudson loaders rather than the hudson truckers well we load it up it? and then we truck it and then we crash it and that's kind of how we do it so yeah um but no, I think, you know, the, the loading up rares has always been a successful thing that the truckers we've been doing is, you know, loading up the big ships and then escorting them. And it's always been a ton of fun. So if you've that never done that... It's a huge logistical exercise to get that done. I don't think, I'm not sure many people realise how difficult it is to transfer cargo to ships with a ticking time bomb on board, basically. Yeah, it is. It, and I, I was just, you know, we just think they're mental. Absolutely mental. Cannot salute them enough. Um, and we can't wait to get them their rewards for their crazy trucker ways. Uh, as I say, so that's the largest ever record breaking trucker transaction uh, of a single transaction netting 79,624,800 credits in one transaction. Sadly, a far chunk away from the 210 million, which is the official record, uh, which I don't know if it's even possible to to match anymore, given the changes and things, and the drops in values of some of these items. So, 
It's one of these things that will go down to time. It will go down to time. Whoever's saying he's 30, 30, 30, 39 million was a lot. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? It's absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, we also have uh, Commander Ra, Al Ghul, Ashley, and Porky McBacon, who created a great video on how they think slash hope carriers could work in-game. And I think we can probably get a link out onto the Twitch chat and we'll get it definitely across in the show notes for tonight. Um, if yeah, it's a very professional video, actually. I mean, even if you don't agree with some of their um, proposals, it does show the possibilities that carriers could offer. And they've done the video really professional. I was really impressed by it, actually, the way they've changed the existing interfaces to suit that of a carrier. So it's well worth a watch certainly gets you thinking about the sorts of things Frontier could do with it. Does that does that make you um, sw- swing a fist or curse, Dave? Hey, sorry. That, that you could have had carriers in your game. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been nice and upbeat so far. Let's not let's not bring you down. No, it's yeah. Let's, let's not ruin it. <laughs> One word: supplements. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the DLC. thing. Yeah. Can you do official and unofficial? Oh, I hate you all. Yeah, we're, we're terribly sorry. Right, so let's have a look at the Twitch chat. While you're doing that Twitch chat, you know, if you want any questions that you'd like us to put to Dave or for any of us, uh, let us know. You've got a couple of minutes. Uh, go for it. Um, Colin, obviously, you've got the the vehicle combat rules and how are your miniatures going? Is there any developments there? Um. At the moment, the uh, the miniatures rules are still going. Through. I'm they're, they're done. I'm just trying to come up with some models which are presentable. It's this, it's the same place. I do have a couple of places in Stockport to visit in the next month or so, where we'll be discussing a few options, and then hopefully, I'll have news then. But as far as the the actual game mechanics are concerned, um, they work. I'm happy with them, uh, as Dave, as Dave well knows, and they work hard, they yeah, work they fast, and, and they uh, and they they're fun. So uh, that's that's what we want. Oh, and it, it, it works well with beer. <laughs> there's an interesting <laughs> couple of questions. Uh, Doctor Toxic um, uh, is asking when I'm going to sell my docking computer and learn to dock like the rest of you. Um, Never. When it comes to the Beluga, I get caught out far too often, and I run it with crappy shields, and it's just yeah, it's not worth the money. It cost me three million a town. It's so much money I lost just crashing ships. In fact, my rebuy stats are ridiculous. Hold on, let me just get that up for you. Um, no, nope, that's the wrong one. That's probably why it's not so good. Stats. So when was the last time you lost a ship, then, Grant? Just about five minutes ago. <laughs> Literally just five minutes ago. Something coming right out here. It's coming right out here. It's coming right out here. It's, it's got you. Yeah, that's the station. Um, let's have no, a look. It was a great big white thing came out here, smacked you in the face. So while this is um, this is all going on, uh, we'll say that LabeCon 2018, that is still booked for the 8th to the 10th of June. And also for commanders who want a little bit of CQC action, uh, go to https uh, discords.me slash elitedangerouscqc, all one word. Links will be in the show notes for access to the CQC 
server which will allow you to uh, meet like-minded commanders and then shoot the living daylights out of them. <laughs> Hello, Nats Right. Thank you for the host there uh, joining us with your Twitch channel. We are just wrapping up. We've been talking about the fantastic Elite Encounters roleplay game from the amazing Dave Hughes, who joins us tonight and has been telling us all about the details of it. Now, we have a question for you, Dave. Can you, and I'm not sure if this is a personal question to you, can you do it with two? But um, the actual question is, can you play Elite Encounters with two players? Well, I can do it with any number of people. But as far as the RPG is concerned, I can do it with any number of people. That's even better. So, okay, so if you want just a case of uh, telling a story and having a friend play it out, that's absolutely hunky-dory. Your rules allow for that. There's no minimum of you must have two players. Um, you, you, to be honest, it's, it's designed to be kind of more... Uh, sort of three to four would be the, the, the ideal number of actual players plus a GM. But you can't. there's no reason you couldn't play one GM with one player. There's no reason you can do it. You make it a personal story and you can run it more like a... Like a game book, if you remember the fighting fantasy type stuff. Okay. Um, you could run it kind of like that. So. Excellent. There are also there are also some rules in there. You were asking earlier about online play. Um, you can do. There are rules in the book for diceless play. So if you don't want to use dice at all, there are mechanisms within the game for doing that as well. Is <laughs> <It's> arm wrestling? <laughs> 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 oh god, sorry. But yeah, okay. That's it. I mean, it does it does sound awesome, and we're looking for you guys out there that have bought it to give us your feedback. Please let us know what you think. We'll pass that on to to Dave, and we'll delete all the nasty ones because there won't be any. There won't be any to delete. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> there's um, Chris is just saying that two player <laughs> RPGs are very intimate. Ooh. You quite sure that that's the right kind of role play he's on about? Oh, yes. Yeah, we oh, God, it's Chris. And then he says it's, it's collaborative. <laughs> this, this is worrying. You can never know with the head of entertainments. It could be anything he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, what sort of encounters are they talking about with two players? Well, that was always the fun thing, wasn't it? We always talked about Lavecon being the word-working convention and Elite Encounters as the dating sites for, for you Elite <laughs> Commanders out there um, way back at the start. So we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, LaveCon 2018, you can find information on that uh, by going to the Lave Radio website and then clicking on LaveCon or going to www.hws, which is hicksWithSticksEvents.co.uk, hwsevents.co.uk. We've currently got them penciled in at the 8th to 10th of June 2018. We're not sure about any more information on that. We will let you know as soon as we have any more. Uh, you've already given a wee shout-out to the CQC Discord. I have fantastic then it just gives us a, an opportunity to wrap up the game so before we do anything you guys would like to see before we go or shout outs you'd like to give brilliant <laughs> perfect I want to say hello to everybody hello everybody <laughs> I'd like to thank me mam and me dad well we'll have a look at the commanders that are in game we've got Commander Ventura who's there Dissington Palm there is JJ, JJ Smashing Pumpkins and there are a number of people out there in the elite world as well around me that I've not scanned yet thank you so much for joining us everyone on the Twitch that is awesome we always love having you we'll get this podcast up as soon as we can but for now that is it 
apart from the Galnet report at the end, so stick around for that, because that's kind of important. That is it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you would like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at laveradio.com. If you have been affected by any of the issues raised in tonight's programme, there's probably a specialist website somewhere out there for you. But if you want to tell us about your fetishes, then let us... No, don't. Um, don't, don't, we don't, we don't want any fetishes. <laughs> no, Grant. No, um, don't, don't go there. If you want to share with us your feedback of Elite Encounters or talk to us about anything Elite related, then please do email us at info at laveradio.com. You can get us on Facebook forward slash laveradio or at laveradio on Twitter. You can join the Discord chat channel by going to tinyurl.com forward slash lavechat. Or if you want to be a bit more vocal, you can come and join our TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat. And you can get there by going to teamspeak.laveradio.com. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at half past eight and streamed out on twitch.tv forward slash Lave Radio and on audio on laveradio.com forward slash live and via the Lave Radio app available on iOS and on what's the other one? Android and Blackberry as well. So believe it or not. Thank you to everyone who turned up in the game outside Lave Station trying to knock me into the slot and enjoying me dying. Thank you to Colin. Thank you to Shan and thank you to our guest of honour tonight the amazing, the spectacular Dave Hughes. That's a round of applause not me cooking macaroni. <laughs> Until thank next time. Thank you for time. having me on guys. Yes, the jock and the sock. Until next time. Fly safe. <laughs> and if you can't do that, do remember, fly dangerous. Is your life I'm going to see the galaxy. News Digest, 31st of October, 3303. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Tanner does a brave Sir Robin. Seeing the wood 
for the trees. Galnet criticised over lack of news. Tanner does a brave Sir Robin. Admiral Aidan Tanner, the effective head of Aegis, has been criticised after withdrawing his entire fleet of capital-class vessels from the Pleiades, after discovering that they sometimes got blown up by the Thargoids. He explained his decision as a tactical one. Apparently, large ships are vulnerable to being shut down by Thargoids in a way that smaller ships are not. Partly because the Thargoids use multiple shutdown beams against large ships, but mainly because the countermeasure doesn't work for large ships. It probably doesn't help that the Imperial and Federal capital ships are slow, lumbering beasts that the Thargoids can run rings around. So, having made a range of anti-Thargoid weaponry available, Aegis seems to have passed responsibility for actually fighting the supposed Thargoid menace over to independent pilots. Meanwhile, confusion surrounds the continuing non-appearance of the new Alliance range of spaceships, including the Type 10 Defender, the Challenger and the Crate. Information about all three ships has been leaked recently, but there's no evidence that Lake on Spaceways has made a start on building any of the three models. There are, however, worrying rumours that in a case of mistaken identity, Lacon may have outsourced the manufacturing to Aegis Dynamics, who are nothing to do with Aegis, the modern-day incarnation of the INRA, but a ship manufacturer in their own right, with models such as the Idris, the Retaliator and the Gladius in development. Aegis Dynamics has famously not yet managed to deliver a single completed ship, having been stuck in alpha testing for some years. If this is true, the new Lacon range may be ready just in time for the end of the Great Thargoid War. Seeing the wood for the trees. A further Barnacle Forest has been found in the Pleiades sector PN-T-B3-0, planet A5. Like the earlier discovery on Hyde's sector AQ-Y-D81, planet C2, the forest of barnacles and the spiked growths that surround them is arranged in an eight-spoked star shape, leading some to speculate that just as the large Thargoid structures found on many planets in the region may be ruins, the barnacle sites may be new ships being grown out of the very soil of these metal-rich planets. A similar but rival theory is that the barnacles grow into a barnacle forest which in turn grows into a Thorgoid structure, which is eventually recycled by scavengers. However, it may be that there's a simpler explanation. The healing effect of the meta-alloys found at these sites is well documented. With Thargoid ships routinely visiting the barnacle forests, it may be that the forests are refuel and repair stops 
for the Thargoid battle fleet. There may even be a McThargoids for the Thargoid pilots to stop at for a big meat bag with fries and coke. Galnet criticised over a lack of news. The Galnet newsfeed came in for a drubbing today when it was pointed out that the most recent article was dated Saturday the 28th, three days ago. And out of the three articles published that day, two were reprints of articles from the previous week. However, Commissioner Dave Hughes of the Tionisla Historical Society pointed out that there's plenty of reading matter in his latest book, Elite Encounters, published 3303 by Daftworks, available from all good retailers, to keep any commanders who are short of reading material busy. Galnet still has more original news than Polygon and Dual Shockers combined, and as far as the Thargoids are concerned, no news is good news. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.